You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. What are you talking about? No, it's not him. There is only one more. There is only one more. There is, that's, that's it. One more. Get around. No. They saw your team. Put up zero effort. Wake up. Remember in the old days, they used to have oxygen for them. Where's the oxygen? Play like absolute just garbage. <laughs> this is the Sports Loud Mouse. Yay! Man, can you keep it down? I'm trying to introduce here. With Errol Marks and Speedy Beatty. You're not even a has-been. You're a never was. You're a never was. October, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, we're in October. We finish with September. We're on to Halloween. And then Thanksgiving and Christmas, baby. New Year's Eve after that. We are the Sports Live Mouths. I'm your host, Errol Marks. My co-host, Speedy Petey. Go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out all our shows throughout the week. They are live. And if you miss any of the shows, you can go to Apple Podcasts. You can go to Spotify and check out any of the shows that you missed from Game On to the Loudmouths, even the Herd. If you're a Buffalo Bills fan or Trey's, Trey Larkin's show, the wise guys, as he's in Cincinnati blowing up the Cincinnati fans, but uh, or the Green Bay Packer fans, because he is a Green Bay No, Packer he's just fan. picking on the Bengals fans. So. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> wouldn't you? I mean, Joe Burrow hasn't looked very good. I know he's not healthy, ladies and gentlemen, but he hasn't looked very good. That's just my opinion. 631-672-3108 is the number to call. And ladies and gentlemen, I want to say I did enjoy my cruise. Speedy, how are you? I'm doing all right. I want to also uh, give uh, condolences as well to uh, two, uh, the families of two uh, Boston sports guys, uh, Russ Francis, a tight end mm-hmm. who was on the Patriots, unfortunately passing away in a plane crash, and then uh, Tim Wakefield, unfortunately, as well. Horrible. Passing away of brain cancer. His wife also has brain cancer as well, so hopefully she can recover, but Tim, unfortunately, passing away at the age of uh, 56. Yeah, cancer, especially in the brain, it's not... One of those cancers that usually you you win and you uh, you survive from. I mean, it's pancreatic cancer and and brain cancer is just two cancers that are very very hard to survive survive from. And uh, I re- I was reading a story. I was on the boat and Kurt Schilling uh, was telling you know so many great stories about Tim Wakefield and how close he was and that he knew what was going on with Tim Wakefield. And uh, he didn't want to go out, and he didn't want to throw it out there until the family did. And it's a shame. Uh, Tim Wakefield was a very good pitcher. He had almost a 20-year career in the major leagues, knuckleball pitcher. Pitched very well against the Yankees, if you remember. And, And remember that Aaron Boone home run was against Tim Wakefield in Yankee Stadium, if you remember that, Speedy, which practically uh, kept going for the Boston Red Sox for that uh, Bambino curse, which was broken the year after. So uh, it's just, it's sad, obviously. And and nobody wants to see somebody, even though they played on the sports teams that you absolutely love to hate, you don't want to see somebody die from a disease like that. And it's just, may he rest in peace to to the Wakefield Wakefield family. Uh, That's a terrible story as well as... um, uh, the Russ Francis, the Russ yeah. Francis family. It was a small plane, too. It crashed. Yeah. Well, we've seen a lot of professional athletes die in plane crashes. Yeah, Roy Holiday. Roy Holiday, he was flying a plane, and he, he died instantly. He crashed, and, and, and Roy Holiday was, I think he was in his late 30s. When yeah, he passed no, away. he was really young. He was only, I think, five years removed from retirement. Yeah, it's just, it's sad. You know, obviously, you don't want to see anybody die from any kind of injuries or 
obviously diseases, but uh, may, may they both, and to their families, may they both rest in peace. We have a great show lined up for you. No guest. We were supposed to have Fireman Ed on the show. He's moving it to next week. I think we rather him come on next week because I, I'm sure Fireman Ed is going to have his own thoughts on the Jets game against the Chiefs. And I have a lot to say about Sunday Night Football and how disgraceful the NFL and the refs have treated the New York Jets. And it's not just because I'm a Jet fan, guys. It has nothing to do with it. If you were watching the game and you were watching the calls in the game, the holding calls that were not held or even called upon the New York Jets in certain parts of the game, important parts of the game, and then that call against Sauce Garner at the end of the game, which cost the Jets the interception and maybe the comeback to take this to overtime or maybe even win the game. The way Zach Wilson was playing, we will get get into it. Sauce Garner takes shots at the referee saying he wouldn't have been called for a holding if he was a Swifty. So uh, it seems like right now, Taylor Swift is the story of the NFL. It seems like wherever she goes, she's the lead story. It's not about football. It's not about anything. It's about Taylor Swift. And obviously, uh, whoever she's dating now, it was, is it Jimmy Garoppolo? <laughs> is it one of these guys? Or is it Kelsey? Who knows? But uh, it seems like it's Kelsey because she was over there with all these movie stars. I, I mean, Reynolds was there. Everybody was there. They were all hanging out. Maybe the Jets should trade for Jimmy G if that ends up going anywhere. Maybe they'll get some referee calls. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but if you're if you're a Jet fan, you cannot be happy. You cannot be happy seeing Taylor Swift and all her friends hanging out, all these movie stars and singers hanging out in, uh, <laughs> in wherever you want to call it. It's, not, it's a justified thing in the case of the Jets. It's not a justified thing for Dallas. You can understand that with the beef complaining about yes, it. Yes, absolutely. The Jets have a legitimate excuse. Rodney Harrison calls Zach Wilson garbage. And uh, obviously, players like Chris Jones and Micah Parsons stick up for Zach Wilson. We will get into that. And then, obviously, after all this happened, after he called Zach Wilson garbage, after outplaying Patrick Mahomes in a game that everybody thought Patrick Mahomes was going to blow the Jets out, and he was outplayed and out really schemed by Zach Wilson and Nathaniel Hackett, okay? So that says a lot about the Jets' offense in one game, but that it, it still doesn't sell me Zach Wilson is the future of the New York Jets. We have to see more of this. If we see more of this with Zach Wilson, then we could speak, but we'll, we'll get into the whole Rodney Harrison debacle. Brian Dable throws a tablet in frustration towards Daniel Jones in the Giants' 24-3 loss against the Seahawks. I don't think there's much on this, but we will definitely get into the story. I, I think Dable is a great coach. I think he's he's so enthusiastic. And, and when he's on the sidelines, he puts emotion into a coaching and the game of football. So I like what he does. I just think that a lot of people are throwing this as a story, which is growing legs now. And what does this uh, what does this say to the New York Giants after giving an extension to a three year three year extension, which they're going to have to pay him for at least two for another year before they can drop him? Um, Jimmy Butler accuses the Bucks for tampering in uh, trading for Damian Lillard. So Jimmy Butler comes out. He has a lot to say. And, and Jimmy Butler always has a lot to say, by the way. I mean, if, if it has nothing to do with the Miami Heat or Miami Heat getting Damian Lillard because there was nothing you heard from Jimmy Butler while the stories were coming out that the, the Miami Heat are doing everything to get Damian Lillard, now that he goes to the Bucks, he's crying about it. So I'm not surprised, Jimmy Butler. I think he needs to go and hang out with another singer or something because uh, Shakira seems like is not, 
in touch with him anymore or hanging out with him anymore. So maybe he's just upset about that. So you're saying Jimmy Butler's going to date Taylor Swift after the NFL season. Hey, I mean, she's dating everybody else. It goes from Travis Kelsey to now Jimmy Garoppolo. Who's next? Who's next? How many how many songs does she have to write for us to get sick and tired of it? Maybe whoever maybe whoever the seventh seed of the NFL playoffs uh, it has to have somebody date Taylor Swift in order to F for the refs to rig it in the playoffs. Who knows? Uh, obviously, uh, let's parlay. If you're a betting fan, a handicapper, you definitely have to listen to the show tonight. We have Wes and Derek, two really good handicappers. Wes is one of the best in the country, uh, one of the better handicappers, and Derek is really, really good too. So tune in. A little bit, I think, around 8.30 yep. Eastern time. We also might have Mo as well if he's able to get, Another that, good handicapper, get, get back in time. He has a party, but uh, he'll be able if he gets able to get back in What's time. What's he, he dancing? Might, uh, at his kid's party. I'm just kidding. Buck Showalter steps down as the Mets manager. He wasn't stepping down. He was getting fired. So if he didn't step down, the Mets were going to fire him. The Yankees decide to keep Aaron Boone for at least another year. And MLB playoff picks, and we will get into the NFL season in just a few moments. We will go through all the week four games, our opinions towards the games, and obviously where these teams are heading because a lot of these teams are going into their bye week and there's a lot of questions to where these teams are going. The AFC, the, where everybody thought the AFC was going to dominate this year, has has really not dominated. It's been the NFC dominating uh, more than the AFC. So there's a lot of questions there. But the story is the Jets. And if you watch Sunday Night Football... You can't be happy if you're a Jet fan or if you're a football fan. Because if you have watched over the last couple of years and how much the NFL has blown up the Kansas City Chiefs as the the team of the future for the NFL. It used to be the Patriots as they dominated for almost 15 to 20 years with Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. And then Tom Brady goes to Tampa, wins a championship, and then a year after he plays like crap and retires. But the NFL needs to find a team that they can build their brand around. And Patrick Mahomes, after being on that quarterback uh, spectacular on Netflix, that documentary, it was him, Kirk Cousins, and Marcus Mariota. And I, I listen, it was great. It was greatly directed and produced. It was fantastic. It really was. If you haven't seen it on Netflix, shame on you. You should check it out. But the Patrick Mahomes story, teams, teams and things are starting to grow legs about this Kansas City Chiefs. Because if you watch them, they're always, always on a primetime game. They've been on Thursday night football. They've been on Sunday night football. They're going to be on a couple Monday night footballs. The NFL is building Patrick Mahomes into the savior of the league. The Superman of the league. And Pat Mahomes did not show up on Sunday Night Football. As a matter of fact, he threw two interceptions and did nothing in that game that really stuck out if you're a Kansas City Chiefs fan. But not only that, you have players like Sauce Gardner, which Sauce Gardner, in regards of the holding penalty in the fourth quarter, if you were watching the game, said, if I was a Swifty, the refs wouldn't have thrown the flag. Patrick Mahomes believes that the penalty came 15 yards down the field. And Sauce responded, it was 5-7 to seven yards down the field. Which, if you were watching the game, it was 5-7 to seven yards. It was not 15 yards. But you know, Patrick Mahomes has been known 
been known to stick his two cents into stories after the game to make his team look better than that, that than they were. There was no excuses from Patrick Mahomes after the game. He knew he played like crap. And I saw him whisper to Zach Wilson, and Zach Wilson should have been upset because he got screwed. His first game that he showed up to, and he actually played one of his best football games in his college career and his NFL career, he actually showed that he could be a competent quarterback in the NFL. He loses a game because the referees couldn't call holding calls and couldn't call the right calls in the important parts of the game. The Jets had many questionable Penalties in the fourth quarter, including defensive holding calls on C.J. Mosley and Jermaine Johnson. Robert Salas said that Zach Wilson had his best game of the season, and his career, by the way. I know he doesn't want to say that because it makes Zach Wilson look really bad. Um, and, and obviously was against the Chiefs, the Super Bowl champions. Wilson was 28 for 39, uh, passing for 245 yards, two touchdowns versus the Chiefs. In an interview with Chris Jones... Rodney Harrison called Zach Wilson garbage, causing a lot of controversy. Stars including Micah Parsons and LeBron James obviously stuck up for Wilson following these comments by Rodney Harrison. I will get into Rodney Harrison because I got my own thoughts to that idiot. Because he's an idiot. Ever since he retired, he's been complaining, why am I not in the Hall of Fame? Why am I not in the Hall of Fame? Comparing and contrasting who he was as a football player and making excuses about why he has not been inducted into the NFL Hall of Fame. Zach Wilson did have one of his best games. He actually showed up and played and stood out there as a quarterback, and the offensive line gave him time for the last two weeks, and he finally figured out how to complete passes. There's no question that he did. He did it against a good defense, Chris Jones, who is one of the best defensive linemen in all of football. A secondary that's not very good, and I've been saying this all season long, before even the season started, I think the problem that the Kansas City Chiefs are going to have this year is their wide receiving position, because I don't think they have enough depth. They have young guys, youngsters, but nobody that has the experience, and nobody that could be a number one, a.k.a. the New England Patriots, and their secondary has gotten weaker Every single year. They had the Honey Badger. Now the Honey Badger is no longer there. They, they had one of the best secondaries in football. And now, I believe, one of the worst secondaries in football. They even have had our friend Bashad Breeland. <laughs> yeah, and, and now he has an AK-47. He's hanging out yeah. in jail. Yep. So uh, that's, that's a whole other story. By the way, I, I hope Rashad uh, came out on bail. I, I don't know the whole story behind it. I know it was a $50,000 bail. He was caught with an ak what is it, 47 and, and a bunch of drugs. Wow. But, uh, you know, obviously he might see jail time, but we like Bouchard. He was, he was a good guest on our show. There was no question. Funny, outgoing. It took him a little while to open up, but when he did, he was open. But the Jets played a great game. They showed up after everything that was going on for the last couple of weeks about the Jets losing Aaron Rodgers, losing it in the fashion that they lost him in four plays, Monday Night Football, the biggest Monday Night Football game ever watched, losing him, the guy that everybody was talking about, hard knocks, everybody that we've had, ex-NFL players that have come on our show and told us that the Jets are the favorite to win the Super Bowl this year because of Aaron Rodgers. 
He gets injured in four plays, and he's out with an Achilles tear for the rest of the season. Aaron Rodgers shows up to the Kansas City Chief and New York Jets game on Sunday Night Football. He sat up in the press box, not with the Swifties, with himself. And you can see that when he showed up to the stadium, the team played harder. They went out there and they put up a game that nobody thought they were going to put up. And that stand, that says a lot about this team and this organization. If Aaron Rodgers is there, they want to show that they can be that dominant force that everybody thought they were going to be with Aaron Rodgers this year. This offensive line is completely different with Tipman moving to the guard position. I don't like McGovern, but this offensive line in the last two weeks has been amongst the league's top ten in every statistic, PFF, PRF, whatever the hell you call it. The stats show you that they're giving the the Jets offensive line is finally giving Zach Wilson between four and a half seconds and five seconds to throw the ball. With any quarterback that gets that kind of time, he should be completing passes. And on Sunday night football, falling 17 to nothing against Kansas City in the first quarter, everybody thought it was over. Zach Wilson stood in the pocket made every single throw he needed to. He outplayed Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes was 18 for 30, 203 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions, should have had four interceptions, one taken away. C.J. Mosley, I don't know what's going on with him. Can he catch a ball? Can he not? It should have been four interceptions in that game. The Kansas City Chiefs were completely outplayed defensively and offensively throughout the game, and outcoached, by the way. Now, Robert Saller, I love his passion on the sidelines. I love it. I love seeing him, his temper tantrum. I love watching Dable with his temper tantrums when nothing is going right on the sidelines for the New York Giants or the New York Jets with Robert Saller. I love seeing these guys screaming, throwing things. It shows the passion that they bring out, not only in front of their players, but in front of the organization, showing them that I'm all in on this. Why hasn't Robert Sala done that for the last two seasons? Why does he sit still and not say anything? Over the last year and a half, I will say it, and I'll say it kindly. It doesn't matter who the quarterback is. In these games, especially in the fourth quarter, the Jets do not get the call. They never do. Ever. Every single team that they play, if the game is close in the fourth quarter and some team needs a call, a penalty call, a roughing the passing call, who does it go against? It goes against the New York Jets. Why is that? What is the NFL doing? And why does the NFL hate the New York Jets, and it's not, it's not me having pity for, for the Jets organization. Because as an analyst, I'm speaking the truth here. I am speaking the truth. What happened on Sunday Night Football was a disgrace. And the NFL, they could say whatever they want. And, and, and Patrick Mahomes could come out and say it was 15 yards. And Sauce Garner could say it was 5 or 7. It doesn't matter. The fact is, in any other game... For any other team, that call would have never happened. It would have never happened. 
with one minute and 50 seconds left in the game. The Jets intercept the ball. They're at home. They're the home team. How do you call a penalty on arguably the best corner in football when, yeah, he did grab him a little bit. He pulled on him. Within five to seven yards, you're allowed to do that. And Patrick Mahomes sliding down on the one-yard line because he doesn't want to give the Jets a chance. That shows you. You know, going into the game, Patrick Mahomes was so cocky, so confident he was going to throw 400 yards in the game and dominate the game at MetLife Stadium. After the game, he's making excuses for his team for winning a game he shouldn't have won. That's football, ladies and gentlemen. That's football. It's a disgrace. And I'm sorry for 24 minutes throwing this game and pitching this game for all the fans out there to see what I saw through my eyes in bits and pieces. It makes me sick. I don't care if the Jets make the playoffs this year because guess what? Nobody expected the Jets to make the playoffs this year. But if they beat Kansas City that last week, they're 2-2. Two and two. They beat the Broncos this coming week. They're 3-2. and two. And if they surprise the world and knock off the Eagles week number six, they're 4-2 going into the bye week where their schedule gets easier. And the NFL and the terrible ref calls have taken it away from them. For all the things that the New York Jets have dealt with, have to going, they had to go on hard knocks. Had to. They didn't want to go on hard knocks. But the NFL forced them to go on hard knocks. You know why? Aaron Rodgers. They didn't complain about it. They did it. After hard knocks, they go into Monday Night Football again. The highest-watched Monday Night Football game in NFL history, ladies and gentlemen. There were hundreds of thousands of people watching that game, watching Aaron Rodgers carry that American flag out on MetLife Stadium field. And what happens in four plays? Yeah, I I blame Dwayne Brown. I I do. And I'm going to blame Aaron Rodgers for holding the ball as long as he did because it's both of their faults. But if that was Tom Brady, that would have been roughing the passer. If it was Aaron Rodgers on the Packers, it would have been roughing the passer. Because it is the Jets, it doesn't matter. Zach Wilson had a helmet-to-helmet in the third quarter when he ran. It was helmet-to-helmet. You heard it. He was out out on the ground. I thought his eyes were rolling in the back of his head. They didn't take him out for concussions, but if you watch the instant replay— he did. He looked like he was. He, he got hit pretty hard to the head. There was no penalty call. The Patriots have done it year in and year out against the Jets. They don't get any calls called on them. Why? Because it's Bill Belichick, Roger Goodell's best buddy. It's horrible. It's nonsense. And if you're a fan of the NFL and you see that they're commonly favorite teams to the NFL because they want to see the Kansas City Chiefs go to the Super Bowl because they want to see him win five to six or seven Super Bowls like Tom Brady. He's the new Tom Brady in the NFL. Or the Eagles 
because of what the Eagles have done for the last couple of years and how they designed and how they built their team, which, by the way, losing their offensive and defensive coordinators has absolutely hurt the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, if you're watching the games, you can tell. And I don't want to hear that they're undefeated. That don't mean nothing. They've beaten nobody. The facts are facts, ladies and gentlemen. Am I wrong, Speedy? No, because the pattern is definitely evident. I know we were talking about it before the Super Bowl about is the NFL really rigged? I, I, I was never under that impression, but there is definitely a pattern to referee bias. And I've noticed it with the, like we were talking about, the Packers. Uh, I know when Pete Bursick was on, we were joking, oh, is Aaron Rodgers going to bring his referees from Green Bay? Because the Packers definitely got a lot of favorable calls there. The Seahawks, I think, over the years have gotten a lot of favorable calls. And you saw it recently, too, like we were talking about with Teams are new and flashy. I've complained about it all the time. It's how the Rams have gotten all the calls because they want to make L.A. happen. Tampa, When Tampa got Brady, that kind of thing happened too last year. Look at the, the Falcons game at the end of that game, that horrible roughing the passer call on Grady Jarrett. Why? Because it's Brady. They want to keep Brady in it, the whole retirement thing. And Yeah, they're going to have a little bit of storylines built into that kind of thing. And it was definitely more calls in that game too that I think C.J. Mosley's penalty was not a penalty. I think the Chiefs' uh, left tackle Smith had a couple holding calls that should have been called on him too. There was definitely some obvious ones that I thought the referees definitely missed in that second half. They didn't miss game. it. Yeah. They purposely missed it. Yeah. And, yeah, there's definitely some level of referee bias. And like you are saying, there are definitely teams that don't get those calls in their favor, too. Look at a team like the Lions. How many calls they get screwed on over the years, too. That one against the Seahawks with the bat of ball out of the end zone. There was the, the face mask on Aaron Rodgers. Again, and then Aaron Rodgers threw the Hail Mary to win the game. Uh, there was that one against the Falcons. There's definitely some obvious teams that don't get the bias, either. Like the Jets, like the Vikings, I think, over the years have been that kind of thing, too. But... It, yeah, that was really a bad example of, of just showing that these referees were favoring the Chiefs by every means. Because you're right, the Jets outplayed them in very much every, probably besides running the ball, pretty much every other aspect of the game. There was an incident where Brian Dable threw a tablet directed towards Daniel Jones during the Giants' 24-3 loss against the Seahawks on Monday Night Football. This incident came after a 97-yard interception return for a touchdown by the Seahawks rookie cornerback Devin Witherspoon. In the third quarter, the Giants were without Saquon Barkley and Andrew Thomas in this game and lost rookie center John Michael Schmitz as well. The Giants allowed 11 sacks versus the Seahawks tied for the third most in NFL history. The Giants recently signed offensive lineman Justin Pugh, which actually pro Bowl. offensive. That was the Giants with the Cardinals. He he was a good (laughs) offensive lineman. They should have never... Not rid of, but that's just my opinion. Who had played for the Giants in 2013 to 2017. The Giants will play the Dolphins and the Bills both on the road in back-to-back weeks. Here's what I'm going to say about Brian Dable. Just like I said about, obviously, Robert Sala. And then we will get into all the games from this past week in week number four for the NFL. Brian Dable is, has a lot of emotion. He's an emotional coach. If you remember remember him on Alabama, he was the offensive coordinator for who? Nick Saban. He has been working for the Bill Belichick slash Nick Saban organizations for the last seven years before he got the job with the Buffalo Bills as the offensive corner. He changed everything for Josh Allen. Josh Allen became a great quarterback because of Brian Dable. And you see the difference in the transition ever since Dable went to the New York Giants. That he, that, uh, to me, Josh, has, Josh Allen has not been the same quarterback he was when Dable was there. 
He was becoming the best quarterback in the NFL, if not the second best quarterback in the NFL, with the run against the Kansas City, one of the greatest games in the playoff history. Who was the offensive coordinator of that game? It was Brian Dable. After that season, it was over. Dable goes to the Giants. And he has been everything and more for the New York Giants in this organization. Why? Because of his emotion, his personality, his wittiness to win. He knows his team stinks. He knows he doesn't have any playmakers. He knows that Daniel Jones isn't a top 10 quarterback right now. Could he be? Hey, Josh Allen became that. Why can't Daniel Jones become that? He's not as big as Josh Allen, but he has the ability to move inside and out of the pocket. He's faster than Josh Allen is on the run. And he's an accurate thrower. Was he accurate against the Seahawks? No. That has a lot to do with the offensive line. This offensive line has been horrendous. Even with Thomas, Andrew Thomas, one of the best offensive tackles in football, getting $180 million in the offseason. John Michael Schmidt, he has had a very good season in the first four weeks as a rookie center for the New York Giants. Now you lose him for a significant amount of time. Who do you have? You bring in Justin Pugh, who wasn't signed by anybody. This guy was a pro ball player at one point of his career. He has not played for a year and a half. You're bringing a guy in that, again, needs to learn the offense. You have no playmakers. Saquon Barkley is your only playmaker who you didn't want to pay in the offseason. He's coming back uh, whenever he comes back from this ankle injury. He's not going to be 100% for the whole year. I told you, Giant fans, he will not be healthy for the whole rest of the season. He took the deal with the Giants because he knew he was going to break all those incentives. Now he has no chance of breaking those incentives, and he's only going to make $10 million this year. And the Giants are okay with what they have in Darren Waller, who can never stay healthy. And no number one or number two wide receiver. And I don't want to hear it from any fans. Mikey C, I I love you, Mike. I really do. When you're trying to explain to me that the Giants have competent wide receivers, who? Who is competent on that roster? Honestly. Wendell? That guy can't stay healthy. I don't care what they project him to do in fantasy. I picked him up in our fantasy league. Is he projected to play? The guy never plays. Who else? Jalen Hyatt? Do you really want me to get into him? He makes a play once or twice, and then all of a sudden, pot hands. It seems like every single player that the Giants draft have pot hands. They go to other organizations, and they become stars. Evan Ingram being one of them. This team is not good. So when you have a coach going out there showing enthusiasm that he's trying to win these games where he knows he's going to get blown out. And by the way, Jamal Adams, what a joke. What a joke. I'm not going to wish anything upon him when it comes to injuries because I I don't wish that upon any player. I, I want them to play. But Jamal Adams, who was traded for two first round draft picks and a third and a player. Those two first-round draft picks became Elijah Vera Tucker, who is going to be a pro bowler this year. He should have been last year an all-pro player. And Garrett Wilson, who's one of the best and most more talented wide receivers in the league. 
for a guy that's played, what, nine games since he was traded to the Seahawks? Nine games. Who do you think won that trade? It's a joke. And the Seattle Seahawks, they've got a lot of weapons. Geno Smith getting hurt, that's going to hurt them. We don't know how long he's going to be out. But when Locke took over, he played well. <laughs> Threw a touchdown to Noah fans. and annoyed all Broncos fans. <laughs> he played well. He retired, he comes back, and look at him. <laughs> he's got a chance to be a starter now in the NFL. But if they don't get Geno Smith back soon... And if he's out a significant amount of time, Seahawks, the Seahawks are in a lot of trouble. Yeah, Jamal Adams, I think a lot of defensive players, you have to learn, especially with what happened with Ryan Shazier, with that neck injury, the back injury, and now still having all those spinal issues. He lowered his head that same kind of way, and that's he ended up being paralyzed, and it hurt him dearly. He couldn't play football and could barely walk just until recently, too. So Jamal Adams, especially just coming back for the first time in over a year, definitely have to learn that. But in terms of the Giants, yeah, this offensive line is just devastatingly bad. It, you have a, a, a second-year left guard, the third-round pick is Zadu from last year, playing left tackle. You have a sixth-round pick starting at right guard. Like you said, they brought in Pugh, who hasn't played in a year and a half either. And they're going to try to patch him into a new offensive scheme, a much more tricky offensive scheme than what they had in Arizona. Like you said, Schmitz has been playing well so far, but he's hurt. He can miss a couple of weeks now. And Evan Neal still can't pass block to save his oh, life. Oh, God. And what that's, a, that's a, what big, a bad pick for the New York Giants. Huh? Yeah, He's not developing anywhere in that area. You're right. The receivers, Wondell Robinson, this was the first good game of his career, finally. It took you a while. Second-round pick. And now he's questionable, and he might not even play this week again. Yeah, and you have somebody in Jalen Hyatt who's had some moments, but again, has had drop problems too. Isaiah Hodgins, they don't target enough for whatever reason. I think he's their most skilled all-around receiver. I don't know why they're playing Paris Campbell so much. Paris Campbell has never been a great all-around receiver. He's a good route runner, and he's somewhat of a deep threat, but again, like Darius Slayton has drop problems too, and that offensive line's a mess. Now, Daniel Jones, obviously uh, not reacting to Brian Dable on the sideline, but again, it's not all his fault too. I mean, maybe you should have spoken to him, but Brian Dable has every right to be frustrated with him after that. Right now, the New York Giants are a giant hemorrhoid to yeah. a guy like Brian Dable. Okay? They're a hemorrhoid. Has anybody had hemorrhoids? If you have a hemorrhoid, you have problems, you know, sitting. You have to wear, you have to sit on like this. I guess you can say, what are they, a pillow? What do they call that stuff? But whatever. You have to sit on a round pillow because you can't put any pressure on it. That's what the New York Giants team is to Brian Dable right now. This organization and Joe Shane, who everybody keeps talking about, oh, this guy is a genius. He did. He was a, a big part of the growth in the building of the Buffalo Bills and why Josh Allen was drafted. Come on, guys. Everybody knows why Josh Allen became the quarterback that he became. And that has everything to do with Brian Dable. He changed his throw-in motion. He changed his footwork. I mean, when he came out from Wyoming, if you remember, okay, and it was Wyoming that he came out of, everybody said that his footwork sucked. It would never work in the NFL because of his size and his ability to throw the ball off his back foot with that throwing motion. He was going to have problems in the NFL. Well, after his first year, he spent the whole summer with Brian Dable. They changed his whole throwing motion. He became a different quarterback after two years as an NFL quarterback. Why? Because of Brian Dable. And do I think he could do that with Daniel Jones? Yes. Did Daniel Jones make problems for the New York Giants early in the game and even late in the game? He did. A hundred percent. But you can't blame Daniel Jones when he has nobody to throw to. He has nobody. Nobody that can protect him. I'd be scared as hell going behind that offensive line. That offensive line 
couldn't stop a peewee football team. I might, I might trust the hemorrhoids to block better than the New York Giants. Probably. Line. You put a couple of hemorrhoids up on that line, it probably would stop the, the <laughs> defensive lines that they're playing against. Uh, Lyle comments, it was closer to five yards, which is the safe zone. It doesn't matter. It wasn't holding anyway on Sauce Gardner. Uh, Snook says, no, uh, we're gonna we're just going to ignore the unforced fumble that Zach lost. I don't think anyone's ignoring nobody's, that. But... Nobody's ignoring that. But, again. That, that and they the... intercepted the ball. And that was in the third quarter. We're talking about the fourth quarter with all, all these bad referee calls. Uh, Josh says, was it a bad? It, what, did that fumble cost the Jets? Yeah, it probably did. But it didn't cost him the game when it happened in the third quarter. Right. Uh, Josh says Rodney Harrison is a massive scumbag. Lyle says we know oh, he's a patriot. <laughs> we're we're going to get into Rodney Harrison now. Because I have a lot to say to Rodney Harrison. Okay? He was a great player. He was. And, and there's not, nobody going to take away his talent as a player for the Patriots, for the Chargers. Rodney Harrison was a very good player. He really was. Ever since Rodney Harrison has retired, he's been crying the blues. Crying that he is not inducted into the Hall of Fame. Why hasn't he been there? Why hasn't he been picked? Why haven't some of these Patriots that should be in the Hall of Fame ever been picked? That It's a catastrophe on the NFL and the way they treat him. And that he's won all these Super Bowls and nah, 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 nah. This guy, okay... Since he's retired, he's worked for NBC, NBC Radio, NBC Sports. The guy is still on television. He is horrible. He's a horrible broadcaster. And when he's out there, and every time the Patriots are on, every time the Kansas City Chiefs are on, every single time the Chargers are on, he blows them up like there's some kind of you know special special thing to the, his heart. Okay, that for for instance, he was there when the Chargers got whipped in the second half by the Jaguars. And what did he say after the game? Did anybody listen to what Rodney Harrison said at the end of the game? He said, you know, we weren't even supposed to be here this year. And that we have one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And if we just fix certain things up in the offseason, we can win a Super Bowl. We, we, you haven't played football in 12 years, buddy. And you're speaking about we. And with the New England Patriots making excuses for Bill Belichick and now, and then attacking Bill Belichick over the last couple of weeks because you didn't like how he was running his defense, how he's playing some of his, his defensive players up top, his corners. But nevertheless, you have stuck up for the New England Patriots for years. Robert Kraft, when he was jerking his chain in different, you know, massage places. He was Deshaun Watson before Deshaun Watson. <laughs> okay? You're making excuses. Oh, well, he's got a right to do whatever he wants. I mean, come on. Rodney, you should keep your mouth shut. And by the way, you might be right about Zach. You might be right about him. He might suck. He might be one of the worst quarterbacks. I, I'm one of the guys that believe he's probably the worst quarterback the Jets have ever had. On Sunday night football, week four, he was not. He is the first and only quarterback to outplay Patrick Mahomes in a full game. I'm not saying that you haven't had guys like Josh Allen have good games against, or Joe Burrow have good games about with against Patrick Mahomes. I'm talking about an unknown quarterback that everybody thinks is 
a sh- I'm not going to say it on live radio, but you know what? A crappy piece of garbage when it comes to the quarterback position. It was the first time any quarterback outplayed Patrick Mahomes in all five like key categories of quarterbacks. They look at completion percentage, passing yards, passing touchdowns. I think their new QBR stat that the analytics people like and and passer rating. Zach Wilson was the first one. Even if Josh Allen or Joe Burrow had better for like three out of five of the categories, Zach Wilson, believe it or not, the out one, the first one to outplay him in all five. What does that say to me as a Jet fan? It doesn't say anything. Rodney Harrison had no right attacking, no right attacking Zach Wilson. None whatsoever. And there were a lot of people like Micah Parsons coming out and, and saying his piece. As a matter of fact, I'm going to read what Micah Parsons said. To me, that's unfair. Uh, that's an unfair assessment to Zach Wilson, who is a very unique talent. You can't just watch tape and label him as bad. You may not put him in the Mahomes category, but he's capable of being a good NFL quarterback. Parsons then offered words to support of Zach Wilson. I wish you nothing but success and hope you develop into a great player and surprise everyone. Micah Parsons, who is one of the best defensive players in the league, if not the best defensive player in the league, who played against Zach Wilson two weeks before. He came out and stuck up for Zach Wilson. He didn't have to do that. He didn't have to speak up for Zach Wilson. And Zach Wilson hasn't said anything since that. I know the press is trying to get it out of him, but he will not do it. And I'm sure Robert Sala has pulled him into his... Uh, you know, his office and said, listen, Zach, whatever you hear from the press, do not answer questions that could cause or stir up problems for you going into week number five against the Broncos. What we do know is that Aaron Rodgers might travel with the team this week. He might be going to Denver with them. And for some reason, the Jets believe in the team more when Rodgers is there from when he's not. They're a different team when Rodgers is there watching the games. It shows that this team believes that they can win when Aaron Rodgers is on the field. And with Aaron Rodgers there, I believe Zach Wilson believes he could be a quarterback that is competent enough to get wins for this team. Who do we have? We got the beef. Steve, what's up, man? You got to give credit to Zach Wilson with all the abuse he took last week, you know, by the media and everybody else and this and that. And the kid went out there on national TV and played a great game. And it's unfortunate he made one mistake. He took his eye off the ball and he fumbled it. But I don't believe that would have cost him the game. But like I've been saying for years, these referees, they ruin all these games all the time. Do it. And I've seen it it's the Waffleese. Do it. It is. I've seen it too many times with the Cowboys and it makes me sick to my stomach. Uh, the NFL needs to fix this. This is a huge problem. And Goodell needs to find a way to fix this because it's ruining games. Well, I think they should have another referee that could actually turn, you know, obviously change a call. Like they do in hockey where yes. they have the one in the, in the uh, yes. studio or whatever. I think the so. Should be able, they should add a challenge. You should be able to challenge. They do have challenges. Penalties. They do. No, not, not on penalties, they don't. Well, they not did. They took it away. <laughs> yeah, pass interference. Well, they took that yeah, away. Well, it was the they, whole they uh, Ram, Sean Saints, Payton yeah. thing, and they I took know, it away they, after they should, one year. But they they should they should allow these coaches to 
to allow to challenge on a play like that. They would have still game. called it a penalty because it's the New York Jets. But it, but it wasn't. No, we know it wasn't. Right. We know it wasn't. And it's just ridiculous because the Jets could have had a chance to actually win that game. They could have had a pick six. I mean, they, they stopped. Have. They saw the yellow flag. He fell down he, on the ground. He would have at least been a field goal range. He threw, he threw the flag as soon as the Jet guy caught the ball. That's when he threw the flag. It was yeah. so late. It was ridiculous. Yep. Absolutely ridiculous. It was. And Sauce Garner spoke his piece at the end of the game, and he had nothing good to say on social media and Twitter. He has every right to say what he feels. Uh, it, it was, to me, uh, just an absolute steal from the New York from the New York Jets. It, they stole a game from the New York Jets, and the Jets could be 2-2 two and two going into week number five against the Broncos where they should romp the Denver Broncos. I don't care if they won this past week against the Chicago Bears. The Jets are much better and much more talented than the Chicago Bears. And if Zach Wilson even plays anything close to what he played against the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday Night Football, they're going to blow out. You heard it from me. Blow out the Denver Broncos in Denver. They don't like Sean Payton, as we know, Nathaniel Hackett, and Aaron Rodgers really... He said what he said on the Pat McAfee show. He said he wanted to play against Denver. Why do you think? Because he wanted to put up a 40 or 50 spot against them for what they said about his friend Nathaniel Hackett. Yeah, I, I think well, I think Hackett's a problem, too, with the Jets. I don't think he's, he's, he's calling the right place with these kids. Well, hold on one all. second. If, if, if you're watching, if, if Zach Wilson grows and he gets yes. better week in and week out, that has a lot to do with Nathaniel Hackett. Am I right or wrong? It does. Well, is it, that, is it that or is it Rogers? Well, hold on one second. Nathaniel Hackett is working with him all through practices. Well, is Aaron Rodgers sitting there in his wheelchair well, saying, "Okay, Zach, this is what I want you to do." Well, you, don't, you don't know what you don't know what conversations they're having on the phone. Get out of here! What are you telling him? Uh, I'll just give you. I'll give you a cell phone. You can put it in your pants, and when when you're in the huddle, I'll tell you what to do. No, not in the huddle. <laughs> what, what is this? The Patriots manipulating it with uh, spy technology now? You, you, you don't think Aaron Rodgers is giving him advice? The Aaron Cam. <laughs> you, don't, you don't think he's giving him advice? What is he going to give him? Stand in the pocket and make the throws. <laughs> what is he going to tell him? I mean, seriously, if the offensive line gives him a chance to throw the ball, he's going to have a chance to throw the ball down the field. He's got weapons. Alan Lazard, when he is open, he's making plays. Garrett Wilson, when he gets open, he's making plays. They have tight ends that can make plays. They have running backs. What is going on with Brees Hall? What are the Jets doing with him? This guy is one of the most explosive players in the league. And he's... That is... Listen, here's another thing. And everybody keeps saying it comes to play calling. He's touching the ball 12 to 13 times. He's not getting the yards. He's not getting them. So that has to be something... On so the routes that he's running, so I, I, it's the offensive line. No, the they're offensive line's playing well. They played better without they, Dwayne Brown. They played a lot better. Oh, well, they're, they're not creating holes for him to get through. They went from probably the worst offensive line in football, and now they're in the middle of the last two games. They're in the middle of the pack in the league. After, I mean, you have Titman in two games. He hasn't allowed a sack. They, nobody's even touched him in the middle. Okay. And on the outside with Elijah Vera Tucker, he hasn't given up a sack on that side. So you have two guys that could be pro bowl players this year if they continue playing that way. Two guys. And you have Lincoln Thomason, who was a pro bowl player. 
That says a lot about the youth that they have on that line. It's not the offensive line, and it's not the play calling. It's not. I don't. I don't agree. I think the problem with the New York Jets, and I want to get into. I, I want to get into the NFL. Uh, in the week of week four for the NFL, there's a lot to get into, especially the Patriots. Man, oh man, they're in a lot of trouble. Yeah, it, it's definitely. Uh, tell your brother to kiss my ass. How's that? The, Pat- <laughs> the Patriots got destroyed just as badly as your fantasy team, Beef. Yeah, well, oh, it was so fun. Wait, my, my team's all hurt. Everyone is hurt. Yeah. Well, they I had no Saquon, and I still beat you by almost thirty points, Beef. So. They tortured I the have, Patriots. I, I have no Evans. I have no Dobbins. I have no Eckler. Please, do you see how many injuries I have in your league? Please. I have five of my starters out. And this is why we told you to draft more than three running backs, Beef. Everybody told you that. I don't know what your hell, what the hell you were doing drafting. Well. It is what it is. I know what you were doing. You were wiping your ass when you were picking. Well, <laughs> or you were picking for daisies before that. <laughs> oh, that could have been. Yeah, for, for uh, your mom. Yeah. Oh, well, my mom is, uh, she needs some daisies right now. <laughs> uh, Josh uh, was saying about uh, Rodney Harrison. I just think it's beyond unprofessional to, uh, for a guy oh, to, with a kid in the building coming off a good game. Credit to Jones for deterring the question and jo- uh, to, uh, for Josh how, Harrison. How about, how about the Cowboys giving Belichick the worst loss of his career? How about that? <laughs> crazy well how about that how about that we should have a we should have a segment called how about that yeah but they still also lost to the cardinals so figure that one out yeah we could do that how about that we'll we'll do that we'll we'll make a segment called how about that with the beef how's that what do you think beef we'll give you a complimentary segment all for you buddy yeah we'll call it do that what about that how about that with the beef Snuck says, Jets look like they may end up winning the Caleb Williams contest if Caleb doesn't right. stay for another year. It's actually <laughs> the Bears who have the first two picks of the draft, though, because they have Carolina's pick, there too, and they're both 0-4, so mm-hmm. figure that one out. Uh, Lyle says, PFF is a scam. Uh, yeah, we were just talking about Aaron Rodgers uh, going to going to Denver. Snuck says, uh, yes, but Zach Wilson doesn't bother to catch the snap. We know, but he messed up one time in the whole game. Snuck. It's so funny. Everybody wants to throw Zach Wilson under the bus because he made one mistake. Yeah. And by the way, that mistake didn't cost him the game. It didn't. No, it, it didn't. No, it's a seven-minute, you know, whatever. In the it doesn't matter. It didn't cost him the game. That no, had nothing to do with it. Zach Wilson was surprised after the game. And, and I give Patrick Mahomes a lot of credit. He was whispering into Zach's ear. He's probably telling him, don't hear, don't listen to the noise. You're going to be great. Just concentrate and, con- you know, and be the quarterback that everybody believes you're going to be. And, and you, everything, your talent will show. You know, because Patrick Mahomes, when he came out from Texas A&M, did anybody think that he was going to be the same quarterback uh, that he is right now in the NFL? No. And he probably wouldn't have been if he didn't sat, sit the one year. Yeah, yeah, probably. And he wasn't with Andy Reid. Right. Andy Reid is a quarterback whisperer. He's another guy that has helped quarterbacks grow. Ask Michael Vick when he came back. Mm-hmm. He changed Michael Vick's career. He taught him how to be a pocket quarterback. And then they had the dream team that completely yeah. fell apart. It was a dream team. <laughs> the 8-8 eight eight dream team of 2011, and the Giants won the Super Bowl. That yeah, year. There, was only one, there was only one dream team. That was 1992 <laughs> uh, with uh, the yeah. NBA players, okay? With Patrick yeah. Ewing, Michael oh. Joining, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, and on and on and on. Uh, Josh says, team is also massively getting outscored in the first quarter. Does Salah yes, they have are. them ready to play? Spotting 17 in the first quarter. 100%. Is not ideal. Uh, Josh also said, it's more uh, more when you see the replay. The ref flew the f- f- threw the flag right after Carter intercepted us. Just so, think about yeah. it this way. The Jets, the Jets, in the second half, has held teams to 23 points in four games in the second half. Just think about it this way. The Jets have held 
some of the best teams, best offensive teams in football to 23 points in the second half. What does that tell you about this defense? They were a shutdown defense. Have they looked good in the first quarter or the second quarter in certain games? No, they haven't. They haven't. And if they could put it together for four quarters, this team could be one of the greatest defenses we've seen in a very long time. But can they do it? And can they do it consistently to give Zach Wilson a chance to make plays in the open field with the weapons that they have? And Brees Hall, find a way to get this guy involved in the offense. Well, they need to start rolling out Wilson like he was like how he played in college. That's what they need to start doing with him. He's not a pocket quarterback. No, and I don't believe they think that he is. I think that they believe he has the arm strength, as he proved it when he threw it down the field quite a few times, that he can make every single throw. He don't have the vision. He doesn't see the field. That's yeah, but when you have that, the, when you have that throwing ability that he has, there's not many quarterbacks in the league that can make every single throw like this kid can. There's not, but he needs to see the field better. Yes, and that's how to me that has a lot to do with practicing and showing him tape and sitting there and pointing out certain things. That will, with Aaron Rodgers there and he's watching tape with him, that will help him because Aaron will show him what he sees on the field, how he reads the safety play, how he brings, how they, how some teams move the linebackers from inside to out. He can show Zach Wilson what to see and what to call at the audible and when you're audibling at the line of scrimmage. He can do that. But you can't attack Zach Wilson in this game. Zach Wilson did everything he can to win the game, and the refs did everything no, possible no, to help them no, lose the game. No one's attacking them, but I want to see like I'm not I want to see consistent. Anymore. Absolutely, yeah, I, want I want to see, see five games. Yeah. I want to see him do this five games straight. I want to see him do it against the Broncos. I want to see him do it against the Eagles. Then the bye week, do it against the Giants, and then who do they, who do they have after that? Washington, Washington, and I think the Dolphins somewhere. In if there. he does it against the Giants in Washington in those five games that I mentioned, or four games that I mentioned, then 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 the Jets have something. Then they have something. And then you could start talking about what the Jets need to do in the offseason when Aaron Rodgers comes back. And now they have a competent quarterback for a year to sit behind Aaron Rodgers, maybe two, after he comes back from the Achilles pole. And, and by the way, everybody that tears their Achilles usually, or they t- tear their ACL, they tear their Achilles. So the Jets need to protect. They got to make sure that now well, that yeah. he tore his Achilles, that they protect his knee. Because the next thing that goes into people that tear their Achilles, especially older guys, their ACL. And Aaron Rodgers never tore his ACL. And when you get your Achilles fixed, and it, they, I heard he got a knee brace installed into his, you know, his kneecap, like a, a, a in, an internal brace to keep his knee intact. I, I've never heard anything like that, but supposedly that's what he had done. And if that's true, still, I think he should wear a knee brace to protect himself. Yeah, well, he has some new surgery, new technology surgery that helps him heal quicker, supposedly, so... We'll see what happens. But, B, thank yes, you for calling, will. bud. Keep listening. You got, you got it, man. I will. I'll talk to you guys later. All right. So, Speedy, you ready to go through the games? All righty. Let's go from Thursday night football, the Lions and the Packers, all the way through for all the fans to hear our opinions. You go first. Let's go. All right. We'll start with Thursday night football. The Lions just running all over the Packers. They win this game in dominating fashion with that running game especially. And Didn't you have the Packers? Uh, no, I had the Lions. I had the Lions in that game. Didn't I have the Lions? Yeah, you did. 
We, we both had the Lions in that game. I thought it was going to be a closer, more lower-scoring game. I did not expect Detroit to be able to put up the uh, that, that level of an offense they did. The Packers have not been able to stop the run very well, and it shows again. David Montgomery, 121 yards and three touchdowns in that game was absolutely insane. The Packers did a good job at limiting Amon Ross St. Brown after that long touchdown, but he did have the big game. And your guy Laporta still continuing to go off, and that Lions defense looking really good so far against the run this season too, which was a big weakness for them in the first half of the season last year. So good to see them getting that fixed as well. Absolutely. You know what stood out to me is Jordan Love. He did not look good. He did not look good on, in a, a primetime game Thursday night football. And we've seen this before with the Lions. We've seen this before with the Minnesota Vikings. Nobody would have thought that the great Jordan Love that looks like he's the next coming of Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre. By the way, Brett Favre is going to speak about uh, the scandal that he had over there. Uh, you know, stealing money. But we will get into that probably tomorrow. But nevertheless, Jordan Love did not have a good game. 23 for 36, 246 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. It just wasn't good enough. They couldn't run the ball. Aaron Jones came back, five carries, 18 yards. Not good enough. A.J. Dillon, five carries, 11 yards. And, and Jordan Love, who ran the ball very well the week before, a negative two. That's not going to do. But I'll tell you, Romeo Dubs showed up, nine receptions, 95 yards. Uh, J.D. Reed, I think they have something with him, receptions, 55 yards and then finally Christian Watson the return of Christian Watson two receptions 25 yards one touchdown they're going to have to add him into this offense more if they have a chance the thing about the Lions and that what stood out to me is their defense their defense is fantastic it's showing uh, last year in the second half of the season they started playing pretty good defense and that's why they came back and almost made it to the playoffs Jared Goff did not have one of those good games. 19 for 28, 210 yards, one touchdown, one interception. That's not what it stood out. Here's what stood out. David Montgomery, 32 carries, 121 yards, and three touchdowns. What did I tell everybody to the Chicago Bears last week and the week before? They should have never gotten rid of David Montgomery. And David Montgomery absolutely exploded on Thursday night football. And then here, Josh Reynolds, three receptions, 69 yards. Sam Laporta, four receptions, 56 yards. Uh, St. Brown, five yards, uh, five receptions, 56 yards, one touchdown. David Montgomery, two receptions, 20, 20, recept, uh, 20 yards. Every, every single player on this team touched the ball. And that says a lot about this team, and it says a lot about the coaching with Campbell. I, I really like the Lions. This is a playoff team. Three and one to a team of the Green Bay Packers that I believe is overrated. Yes, they are. The Atlanta Falcons and the Jacksonville Jaguars was a blowout in London, 23-7 by Jacksonville in that game. Uh, Bijan Robinson was a good, great player for Atlanta, but they didn't have much else besides that. Their next leader receiver was Jonu Smith, and then Bijan was the next leader with 32 yards. Great. So Falcons finally got exposed for their iffy passing attack. 191 yards, two touchdowns for Desmond Ritter. He did not look as good. And this Jags defense, besides the Houston game last week, has looked really good so far this season. They did well against the Colts and have done well against a lot of other teams. They did very well against the Chiefs, and now let's make you a statement in this game. Bijan did a little bit, but not enough, and Jacksonville's offense was able to do the rest. It wasn't Calvin Ridley's revenge game, even though they didn't have a touchdown. It was Christian Kirk, eight catches, 84 yards. I'll say something about this Jaguars team. It's not because of the quarterback and why they're winning right now. The defense is finally playing well, especially in the second half, and they're getting running from Trevor Lawrence. They're, he's actually running the ball very well. ETN, who hasn't really done what I expected him to do this year in the first four games of the season, 20 carries for 55 yards. That's not going to get it done, but Christian Kirk, like you said, Speedy, eight receptions, 84 yards. Evan Ingram, seven receptions for 59 yards. Calvin Ridley, two receptions for 38 yards and one touchdown. You're getting 
enough. And if you're spreading out the offense, that's going to help you win. It's not Trevor Lawrence. Everybody thought, including yours truly, thought this was going to be a breakout season for Trevor Lawrence, that he was a game changer. I don't know what's going on with him. I thought the growth of last year would transition into this year. I think he's gotten worse. So he's not the same quarterback he was in the second half. That took them all the way into the semifinals, uh, you know, in, into, in the playoffs for the AFC. So uh, that's that's definitely something that you have to look at as the season moves forward. Desmond Ritter is a terrible quarterback. 19 for 31, 191 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. You know you're not going to win with him. But you have B. John Robinson, who's really a beast of a man. Four, 14 carries, 105 yards. Algiera, uh, seven, seven carries for 16 yards. I think what you're getting is they're spreading out the offense. Smith has really been their number one target this year. It's it's unbelievable. Jonu Smith is the guy. Uh, with all the weapons that they have, Drake London, who's really done nothing, three receptions, 28 yards, and one touchdown. Kyle Pitts, two receptions, 21 yards. What is going on with Kyle Pitts? They should trade him if they're not going to use him. They're not using him. <laughs> what is going on? You draft him in the top ten. This guy is as explosive as any tight end in the league. Size, the ability to run, and even block at his, at his ability on the field. Why aren't you using this guy? It doesn't make any sense. And Atlanta is going to have problems throughout the season if they don't use the tight end position. But, uh, yeah, the Jaguars pulled off a win. Uh, what stood out to me more was the defense and, and what Doug Peterson did in the second half to get Trevor Lawrence uh, to move the ball and run the ball in the backfield. One guy, uh, speaking of defense, one guy that did have a great revenge game against his former team, the Atlanta Falcons, our guy Foye Aluokin. Nine yes. tackles, uh, three tackles He's for fantastic. Loss. Yes, he played He's very fantastic. well in that game. Uh, speaking of uh, not playing very well, on the other hand, we have the battle of the 0-3 teams. The Denver Broncos were down 28-7, came back against the Chicago Bears, and they win it 31-28. to Russell Wilson continuing to prove he's not the problem with this. No, uh, he's definitely not the problem. With this team, the Broncos can't run the ball. Javante Williams got hurt in that game, and uh, they had to rely, he's on a, done, man. A rely on a guy in Jaleel McLaughlin, who played well, 72 yards out of nowhere. Uh, but the problem is the Broncos don't have much of anything else. They allowed 28 points to a Bears offense that was previously struggling. Justin Fields finally showed up. Four, four touchdowns, 335 yards. Did have one interception, though, in that fourth quarter that ended up being costly. And Khalil Herbert looked good for the, uh, for the Bears, too. But it's the Broncos' defense. Yeah, listen, Sean Payton will take all the credit in the world for what we've seen Russell Wilson in the last three weeks. He's played very well. 21 for 28, 223 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. He is back to the old Russell Wilson, the strategic quarterback that moves inside and out of the pocket and makes the throws and makes the runs that he needs to. They're not getting any running. They're not. When you when you look at this team and the weapons that they had going to the season, including Williams, where everybody thought was going to fit Sean Payton's offense, especially what we've seen over the last couple of years with running backs that have been successful there, you would think that Williams would be the guy. He's not. You bring P. Ryan from the Bengals. He's been nothing. Six carries, 12 yards. That's not going to do it. Jerry Judy has not had a good season. I've been telling everybody this guy's been a bust. Three receptions, 52 yards. Alabama slammer. Marvin Mims Jr. I thought he's looked good the last couple weeks. Why aren't they throwing him the ball more? I mean, Marvin Mims, two receptions, 47 yards. He's averaging almost 20 yards a catch for the last three weeks. Why aren't you throwing him the ball? Cortland Sutton, three three receptions, 27 yards and a touchdown. It's not going to get it done, ladies and gentlemen, if you expect to win, especially if you're going back to Denver and you're going to play the Jets. As far as Justin Fields, for the fact that the Chicago Bears came out last week and threw Justin Fields under the bus, yes, you heard it from me, threw him under the bus saying that they believe that he is not the quarterback of the future. Well, he went against the Denver Broncos defense, maybe not that great, 28 
for 35, 335 yards, four touchdowns, one interception, dominated the game. Dominated the game. And if you had him on your fantasy team, that's 50 points. But nevertheless, he got running from Herbert. 18 carries, 103 yards. Justin Fields, four carries, 25 yards. They did what they needed to do in the running, and then DJ Moore finally exploded. Eight receptions, 131 yards, one touchdown. Uh, Komet, seven uh, seven receptions, 85 yards, and two touchdowns. When you get that much production from everybody, including Mooney, four four receptions for 51 yards, you're going to win. And they didn't because of the great play of Russell Wilson in the second half of the defense of the, of the Denver Broncos, especially in the fourth quarter. So I give Denver a lot of credit. The Bears are still they're still missing something, but I think they're going to start winning when their schedule gets a little bit more easier. All right. Uh, hopefully that kind of effect works for Daniel Jones next week. But the problem is he has to go play against the Dolphins in a week where the Dolphins will be redeeming themselves after getting blown up by the Bills. 48-20. to 20. Buffalo dominating in all phases in this game, especially their defensive line really playing well. The Miami offensive line really struggling, especially on the interior. And you saw Tua get a little flustered when against that interior rush trying to force the ball out quickly. It was a lot harder for him to do. The Buffalo, I think, had a very good game plan for Tyreek Hill. Unfortunately, losing Tredavious White for the year again. So we'll have to see if Buffalo can manage. He's done, man. Yeah. If Buffalo can manage it. ACL injuries, done. Yeah, definitely. And if they can manage it better like they did in the second half of the season last year where they really struggled. But uh, in this game, uh, Josh Allen had a very good game, both running and throwing the ball. Stephon Diggs, obviously, with one of the best games of his career, maybe the best game in his career in in that one. And Buffalo was finally able to run some. I know they weren't, like, overly flashy, but uh, you saw Latavius Murray, Damian Harris both have big roles in this game as well. But it was Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen really taking this team to another level. It was like a flip-flop from last week. Miami absolutely destroying Russell Wilson and Sean Payton 70 to 20 and then the week after against a Buffalo Bills team where everybody thought this was going to be a fun game to watch it was a complete annihilation 48 to 20 Tua Tagovailoa 25 for 35 282 yards one touchdown one interception I I thought he played well I I did he, he did throw that interception, but he, he played well. He's very accurate. And he to me, he's, he's still up there as my MVP candidate. Him and maybe two other guys, Herbert you can argue. Yeah. Up there too, yeah. Um, a chain, eight carries, 101 yards, two touchdowns. This kid is for real. Remember when we were talking about Walker last year? When he came in, he took over that starting running back job over there in Seattle. It changed everything for Seattle, especially making the playoffs, where he was one of the most explosive running backs in the second half. The last eight games, he had 10 touchdowns and over 1,000 yards. Well, this guy, I, I, I don't know where he came from. Obviously, was I think he was a third or fourth round draft yeah, pick. Texas A&M. Texas A&M. And this guy is as, expl- as explosive as any young rookie quarterback. Uh, rookie quarterback. Rookie running back we've seen. Uh, really fantastic. Eight carries, 101 yards, two touchdowns, another two-touchdown game. He had Last week, I think, he had three. I, I mean, and Tyreek Hill, three receptions, 58 yards. Wasn't a Tyreek Hill game, but it was enough. Jalen Waddle coming back, four receptions, 46 yards. Braxton Berrios had a touchdown in the game. Ex-New York Jack, six receptions, 43 yards. They spread out the ball, and they still couldn't get it done. You know why they couldn't get it done? Because there was another quarterback on the other side, was 24 to 21 for 25, uh, 25, 320 yards, four touchdowns for Josh Allen. He did everything on the field, including run the ball. Uh, four four carries for 17 yards. Murray was a big part of the offense, even though he had 32 yards. He he definitely did the things that they expected. James Cook. 
uh, gave them 12 carries for 29 yards and one touchdown. Damian Harris, I thought, was going to be a big part of this offense. Uh, he's disappeared. Stephon Diggs, six receptions, 120 yards, three touchdowns. Is he complaining? Is he complaining that he's not seeing the ball? Three touchdowns? Give me a break. Gabe Davis, three receptions, 61 yards, and one touchdown. You need to get these two guys involved, and you have to get Dalton Kincaid involved in this offense. You drafted him as early as you did. This guy is, is, is as ex- explosive as Stephon Diggs and Gabe Davis. I want to see more of him. Uh, but, yeah, it was a fun game. If you're a Buffalo Bills fan, you should be excited because I think Josh Allen is back. Yep, you mentioned a Chan. He's uh, definitely ch- chasing that uh, Rookie of the Year award this year. hundred percent. Pro- the problem is the guy he's chasing right now is on the LA Rams and Puka Nakuo has another big game against the Colts. They win it in overtime, twenty-nine to twenty-three. Nine catches, one hundred sixty-three yards. Could you imagine when Cup comes back? Yeah, and he's he was cleared to practice today. He probably won't play this week, but was cleared to practice. But this guy Puka, thirty-nine catches, five hundred one yards, and a touchdown already on the season. Matthew Stafford, another big game in this one. Colts, uh, the Rams defense though almost blew it though. They had a twenty-three nothing lead. Anthony Richardson. What a comeback for him. They even tied that game at a very impressive second half in that one, just coming back. He surprises me. He's surprising me right now. I was very impressed with his reads, especially on the short, shorter throws in this game, too. Uh, rookie tight end Drew Ogletree had uh, 48 yards and a touchdown in that second half to, to tie that game. And Zach Moss has been a nice revelation for the Colts, too, with no Jonathan Taylor, who also comes back from his injury off the pup list, too. Was cleared to practice. Will he actually practice? I don't know. But Zach Moss has, did well and has done well in his absence. But the Rams, just enough to hold him off in overtime. The surprise to me is Anthony Richardson. I, I did not not think he was going to be a good quarterback in this league, but you're seeing now with his size and his ability and his athletic ability, he can use his legs. He's very long. Uh, Cam Newton, if you remember somebody like him, he has a better arm than Cam Newton. He can make those throws. If they, if he could figure out how to throw the ball in the NFL and be accurate, this guy could be as unstoppable as Michael Vick was when he was with the Atlanta Falcons. And this guy is a lot bigger than Michael Vick. Might not be as fast, but a lot bigger than Michael Vick. I mean, 11 for 25. Actually, I think he ran the four faster than Michael Vick did. Yeah, but nevertheless, so. 11 for 25, 200 yards, two touchdowns. Zach Moss, obviously, eight, eight carries for 70 yards. Anthony Richardson, 10 carries for 56 yards and a touchdown. This is what's going to make Anthony Richardson so dangerous. Ogletree, obviously, three receptions, 48 yards and a touchdown. They don't really have anything that stands out when it comes to the wide receivers except Pittman. Michael Pittman, they have to get involved in this offense. If they don't do that with Anthony Anthony Richardson, you might as well trade him and figure out and find somebody that works with Anthony Richardson because it hasn't it hasn't worked so far this year. As far as the Rams are concerned, Matthew Stafford has been unbelievable. If he is trade bait, I, right now the Rams are a playoff team. I really do think that. Uh, this team has been very explosive and fun to watch. Twenty and, and if you remember before the season started, Matthew Stafford's wife came out and said he doesn't like playing with these youngsters. He's not getting along with these youngsters. I don't know what's going on because he's 27 for 40, 319 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Uh, They find this guy, Williams. He's become one of the better running backs in the league. 25 carries, 103 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, And and then you're talking about Puka. Nine receptions, 163 yards, one touchdown. Was he undrafted? Fifth round pick. He was a fifth round? Yep, out of of BYU. So he played a little bit with Zach Wilson. (laughs) There you go. I've never even heard who this this guy is. And this guy has become one of the more talented young wide receivers in the league. With Cooper Cup, then you you could really look in the offseason if you want to move Cooper Cup, move him. You have Puka as as a guy that you could build your team around now in the future. So if you want to keep Cooper Cup. So you, you can get a significant amount back for Cooper Cup when he does come back if he becomes available at the trade deadline. So I I was very impressed 
with the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, one guy not to be impressed with a rookie quarterback is Bryce Young. He continues to struggle. The Vikings beat the Panthers 21 to 13. Uh, Young is continuing to have some issues. Uh, 204 yards. He did have a good completion percentage, 25 to 32, but only a lot of short passes. Adam Thielen playing well against his former team in the Minnesota Vikings, but not much else to really like in this offense. The Panthers continuing to struggle to run the ball with Miles Sanders. Chuba Hubbard actually outrushed him in this game, and that offensive line, which was really good at the second half of last year, like you've been saying, has been a mess this year. Their defense has held their own. They had two interceptions, including a pick six against the Vikings, but the Vikings continue to be kind of one-dimensional with just Cousins and Jefferson, and, and they have to find something else because this was still uninspired even though they won. This was the worst game Kirk Cousins had this year. He's been one of the better quarterbacks in the league. 12 for 19, 139 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. That's not going to get it done if they expect to be a contender. They were went 0-3. Usually teams that go 0-3, they don't make the playoffs. This is a team in a division that they can still win if they go on this winning streak, a 4-5 or five game winning streak. They can compete with the Green Bay Packers. They can compete with the Detroit Lions because I think as, as the season goes by, I think the Lions schedule gets worse. And I think Minnesota's schedule gets easier. So if they can put up the numbers that they need to put up and they can get these guys to play offensively, they could compete, and they could still make the playoffs and be one of the surprises. Alexander Madison, uh, 17, uh, 70 carries for 95 yards, had a very good game. Cam Akers, five receptions. I mean, five carries for 40 yards. Uh, that stood out. But Justin Jefferson, we all know what he can do. Six receptions, 85 yards, two touchdowns. And TJ Hawkinson, another weapon that he had, but who didn't have a good game, two receptions for 24 yards. They have to spread the offense more. This is an offensive team, not a defensive team. And they have a very weak defense. And when they play against these better offensive teams, they are going to have to out duel them offensively, and if they have good defenses, you don't stand a chance, a.k.a. the San Francisco 49ers. Bryce Young had his best game, I think, as an NFL player. 25 for 32, 204 yards. I know it doesn't stand out. He didn't throw any into, uh, any touchdowns, but he didn't throw any interceptions. He looked pretty good. He looked like he was good. He felt comfortable in the pocket. Um, Hubbard, 14 carries for 41 yards. Miles Sanders, who I thought was going to have a big season, uh, really hasn't touched the ball, a.k.a. Brees Hall. 13 carries uh, for for 19 yards, and Adam Thielen, who's had a really good season. I did not think that he was going to have a good season after leaving a team with the Minnesota Vikings and then going to a team that obviously doesn't have any explosive players. Seven receptions, 76 yards. He's been pretty consistent week in and week out. They have to, he has to do more. They have to do more if they are, they're going to find a win for Bryce Young. And right now, Bryce Young is, is really... He's trying to figure himself out. I, I think C.J. Stroud has figured himself out, as we see. He's confident. I don't think Bryce Young is confident as a young quarterback. Yep, speaking of C.J. Stroud, the Houston Texans dominating against the Pittsburgh Steelers. 30, Not surprised, by the way. 30-6. to C.J. Stroud, a big game, 306 yards and two touchdowns. He's the real deal, boys. He looks very good and spreading the ball around, too. It was uh, Tank Dell that was having the big games before that, but now it's Nico Collins and Dalton Schultz having a nice game as well. They've got some good young pieces with this team. If they can figure out their offensive line, because like Derek was saying a couple weeks ago, it's been bad banged up for a lot of the time, but did well in this game against the Steelers team that likes to rush the passer. And the Steelers, they need a new offensive coordinator. Matt Canada is horrible. He's been really bad at calling plays, especially with I've Nazi seen Harris. enough yeah. of Kenny Pickett. I've seen enough of him. He's done. Stop with this. Kenny Pickett, play Mitchell Trubisky. Honestly, I'd rather see Mitch than see Kenny Pickett. He is horrible. 15 for 23, 114 yards, one interception. You're not going to win like that, even with a good defense. Najee Harris, 14 carries, 71 yards. That's not enough. You need more from Najee. And then with the wide receivers, your leading wide receiver is Najee Harris. Najee Harris? 
from what you have on this roster, George Pickens, why aren't you throwing the ball to George Pickens, especially when he's playing one-on-one on the field? It makes no sense. Allen Robertson, you bring him in. This guy was one of the best wide receivers two years ago in the league. All of a sudden, nobody's throwing to him. One reception, eight yards. That's not going to get it done. As far as the Texans are concerned, C.J. Stroud is amazing. I'm telling you guys this. I told everybody about this kid. This kid is going to be the best quarterback in this class. It's not even an argument. The fact that nobody thought he was going to go second, he should have went first. And I'm sure right now the Carolina Panthers wish that they drafted this guy. C.J. Stroud, 16 for 30. 306 yards, two touchdowns. He stood out fantastically. And I'll tell you right now, I'll say what he said at the end of the game. He says, this team and these fans deserve a winner. And I'm going to go out there every single week and get better for you guys. That's what I want to hear from my star quarterback. Pierce, 24 carries, 81 yards, fantastic. They're getting enough. And then Nico Collins, where did he come from? Seven receptions, 160 yards, two touchdowns. He's one of the best wide receivers in the league right now. Nico Collins. Who the hell is Nico Collins? From Carl's alumni, Michigan. And and obviously the Beave. He's sure missing Dalton Schultz right now. Three receptions, 42 yards, one touchdown. I, I'm, I've been very impressed with the Texans' defense. This is a fun team to watch. This is a young team to watch. They could surprise everybody in that division and win that division. Mm-hmm. Speaking of uh, Panthers quarterbacks, their former quarterback from last year, Baker Mayfield, striving in division with the Tampa Ooh. Bay Buccaneers. They win it in New Orleans, 26-9. to Baker Mayfield, three touchdowns, 246 unbelievable yards. how he's playing, by the Chris way. Chris Godwin had a nice game as well. We know uh, Mike Evans and Marshawn Lattimore, uh, they usually have some beef, and they continue to have it in this game. But Godwin was able to step up amidst all that, and the Bucs defense continues to be very good in this game, getting a very good pass rush. As far as the Saints, Alvin Kamara looked a little rusty in his first game back. He'll, he'll need to do it, take some time. Derek Carr, Chris Olave, both really struggling in this game as well. And the Saints offensive line, probably besides the Giants, has been the next worst offensive line in football. They've looked really bad so Baker far. Mayfield, ladies and gentlemen, 25 for 32, 246 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. Boy, oh boy, he's having a great season. This is a guy that Tampa was going to drop after after the preseason, and then they bring him back. He's the starting quarterback, and he's been everything they've been looking for for a quarterback ever since Tom Brady retired. Uh, White, 15 carries for 56 yards. Baker, 8 carries for 31 yards. You're getting him involved in the offense. Chris Godwin, 8 receptions, 114 yards. Obviously, uh, Tompkins, 4 receptions, 45 yards, and a touchdown. Mike Evans didn't have one of his best games, but still, Gave you three receptions for 40 yards. So they're getting everybody involved, and I don't know what's going on with the Saints. I really don't. Derek Carr is not healthy. You could tell. 23 for 37, 127 yards, not enough. Taysom Hill, they brought Jameis Winston in for a little bit. It's not working out. I, I don't know what's going on with this team. This defense is good. Alvin Kamara back, 11 carries, 51 yards. That's not going to sell me, and that's not going to do enough for this team to be as explosive as we thought they were going to be. Michael Thomas, four receptions. 53 yards. He had his best game since he's come back from all the injuries that he's had. Alvin Kamara, 13 uh, receptions for 33 yards. I want to see more of Alvin. He did come back, so I expect him to do more this coming week. I, I think he'll put up a 30 spot this coming week. I think he's he's that explosive, but it's not enough. And, and a team that you're better than. You're better than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And to lose a game and being absolutely beaten down in your stadium, embarrassing. 
Speaking of uh, embarrassing, the Eagles defense continues to struggle, but they are offense able to hold on in overtime. They win it 34 to 31 against the Washington Commanders. The Commanders tied it uh, as time expired. Howell threw a nice touchdown pass to Jahan Dotson, and the Eagles secondary continues to have a lot of issues so far. If they don't get the pass rush, it's really not the same. Sam Howell, 290 yards in this game. Their offensive line, which I thought was a concern for Washington, played very well in this game. Brian Robinson continues to play very well, both rushing and receiving, and makes a big difference, but Washington's defense is still going to have to figure some stuff out too because besides that Arizona game they have not looked great to start the season they don't either. use Gibson anymore well yeah Gibson has definitely been funneled out of this offense for sure because of the way Robinson has been playing but uh, Washington's gonna have to figure out their defense though because besides that Arizona game they struggled really badly against the Broncos they struggled in this game I know the Eagles have a lot of talent but A.J. Brown a big game in that game they were able to contain Smith a little bit to short passes but even he's still at 78 yards a lot of these draft picks that they drafted in the first round over the years on defense not working out for Washington <laughs> Well, I will say this. Eric Bieniemy has Sam Howell playing. 29 for 41, 290 yards, one touchdown. He has been consistent. That says a lot about the kid. Maybe he is a quarterback of the future for the Washington Commanders. Hey, Kirk Cousins, it took him a little while to figure it out. Maybe Sam Howell, all he needed was an offensive coordinator that actually knows what he's doing. Nevertheless, I, Brian Robinson, 14 carries for 45 yards and a touchdown. That's not enough. They should be rushing the ball more. They have so many weapons. Why aren't they using Gibson? It makes no sense. Six carries for 19 yards. This guy was one of the more explosive running backs in the league last year. What's going on with him? Why aren't you using him? So that's something. Maybe he's the enemy doesn't like him. But if they don't like him, trade him. Get something back for him. Terry for Kyle Pitts. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Terry McLaren, eight receptions, 86 yards. Uh, I expect him to do that. Curtis Samuel, who is finally healthy this year. Uh, he's been sitting down. You know, he's been on the bench really for the last two years because he can't stay healthy. Seven carries, uh, seven receptions for 51 yards. They spread the offense out, and Dotson actually had a decent game with a touchdown. If you're a fantasy guy, thank God he's starting to put up some kind of numbers. Uh, Jalen Hurts, 25 for 37, 319 yards, two touchdowns. It's not Jalen Hurts' fault that this defense isn't playing well. This defense is not playing well, and they're depending too much on the offense to put up numbers, and when that happens, especially when you're playing teams like maybe in, in two weeks where you have to play the Jets, uh, you might have a lot of problems against a defense that's going to be bringing up the beef on that defensive line. But nevertheless, um, DeAndre Swift had a pretty good game. 14 carries, 56 yards, and a touchdown. Jalen Hurts ran the ball again. Nine carries for 34 yards. I expect that. And here's the thing. A.J. Brown needs to get more involved in the offense. Finally did. Nine receptions, 175, 175 yards, two touchdowns. Devontae Smith, another good game. Seven receptions, 78 yards. It's more Devontae Smith and not enough of A.J. Brown. If you want to win a Super Bowl, A.J. Brown has to be involved more in the offense. If they do that, they, they're still going to be one of the dominant teams or one of the more dominant teams in the NFL. They're 4-0. Honestly, they should be 3-1, and one, maybe even th probably 2-2 two and because two, they have not played well. And, again, their schedule is going to get harder after their bye week. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, so that's what I think about that game. Uh, another team that's in trouble, the Cincinnati Bengals, getting absolutely annihilated 27-3 by the Tennessee Titans. Uh, I'll take the L on the Bengals' defense. I did not think it would be a big problem uh, losing a bunch of players in their secondary. It really has been. These young corners have not adjusted well, and Tennessee, even of all teams, was able to stretch the field on this team and 
the, the Titans that don't have a lot of great wide receivers besides DeAndre Hopkins were able to get a lot of big chunk plays. Guys that were averaging over 10 yards a catch in this game. This Bengals defense definitely a problem. Their run defense has been down for their standards this year as well. Granted, they played against Derrick Henry, who finally had a big game, and he took a little while to get going uh, with the offensive line having a lot of suspensions and injuries, but uh, he finally has a big game. But the Bengals run defense, which is pretty, pretty much top 10 all year, still has been a concern. Now T. Higgins is hurt, too. He might miss a couple games, too. So the Bengals not looking in the right direction. Well, first of all, why are you playing Joe Burrow? Joe Burrow should be sitting out and getting healthy as the season moves forward. It's going to get harder for them. And you have Baltimore. You're going to be you're competing with the Baltimore Ravens, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh doesn't look good. Even Cleveland had problems this week uh, defensively. I expect this team and this division to be wide open. But the Bengals, let's be honest, 20 for 30 for a guy like Joe Burrow. 165 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. That should tell you that he's not 100% healthy. Why is he out there, your franchise quarterback, that you paid 260 million to in the offseason? Doesn't make any sense. Joe Mixon, 14 carries, 67 yards. That's not going to get it done. Uh, Jamar Chase, an absolute bust right now this year. Everybody thinks, oh, this guy's going to be one of the top five guys in fantasy. He hasn't been. Seven receptions, 73 yards. Ty- to me, Tyler Boyd has had a better season for him than, than Jamar Chase. Four receptions, 26 yards. And T. Higgins, again, two receptions, 19 yards, not healthy. He could be out a couple of weeks. That's a, that's a big no-no for the Bengals. As far as the Titans, I love what I see with the Titans here. Two and two. Ryan Tannehill's played. He doesn't have to be the star quarterback. 18 for 25, 240 yards, one touchdown, one interception, one mistake. Here's the the thing. Derrick Henry is back. 20 carries, 22 carries. Here's the thing. If Derrick Henry figures things out in the second half like he does every single year, this team is going to be very hard to beat because you can run the ball, power run. He's looking for big money in the offseason. This defense is as good as any defense in football. You heard it from me. As any team in football. Derrick Henry, 22 carries, 122 yards, one touchdown, 5.55, an average a carry, which is way over the NFL average. Hopkins, uh, four receptions, 63 yards. Westbrook, obviously, five receptions, 51 yards. He spread out the offense. Tannehill did. He gave everybody the ball, and everybody shared the ball. So uh, that's why the Titans won it. And again, if Derrick Henry figures things out in the second half of the season like he does every year, and he stays healthy. Remember, he had that bad ankle, foot injury over the last year, year and a half. It, it's still He's still recouping on it. If he figures that out, and, and this team gets him more involved in the offense, watch out for the Tennessee Titans. Mm-hmm. The Baltimore Ravens dominating against the Cleveland Browns 28-3. The Browns obviously not having Deshaun Watson. And Browns fans, this is the difference between having a preseason darling in Dorian Thompson-Robinson and wanting him to be the starting quarterback. Granted, obviously, what happened with Watson, not a, people, a lot of people like him, fine. But he's still a much more competent quarterback than Robinson, who's more of a traditional college football runner. That's why he strived at USC or UCLA. And that's, he's not going to do that in the NFL. Three interceptions, just 121 yards. Uh, Lamar Jackson didn't have to do much because the Ravens had a lot of short field, just 186 yards, but he was efficient enough. Two touchdowns. Mark Andrews, his first real big game this season. Zay Flowers had a nice game as well. This had everything to do with Baltimore's defense. If Baltimore plays like that against a decent offense, yes, they didn't have Deshaun Watson, but how much better was Deshaun Watson going to be against this defense? This defense plays like that? They can win a Super Bowl. Lamar Jackson is a fun player to watch. We all know he's explosive. He didn't have a great game, but he didn't have a bad game. 15 for 19, 186 yards, two touchdowns. And Gus Edwards has played very well, very well as the second-tier running back for the Baltimore Ravens after losing 
J.K. Dobbins for the season, maybe for his career. 15 carries, 48 yards. Justice Hill has had a pretty good year since he's been the third option. Three receptions, 33 yards. And Lamar Jackson had 27 yards run, but and two touchdowns, by the way. Lamar Jackson was very explosive. Melvin Gordon's to added to the offense, but <laughs> I, I want to see more Zay Flowers. I, I think this guy is as explosive of a wide receiver we've seen them have in a very long time. He's been the best wide receiver in this class. He really has been. Uh, three receptions, 56 yards. I, I love what I see with him. So I, I like what I see with the Baltimore Ravens so far early in the season. What I don't like about this Cleveland Browns team, it's pretty simple. What's going on with Deshaun Watson? What kind of offense is this team going to be? Pierre Strong is your best rushing option. Five carries, 49 yards. It should be Jerome Ford. You should be feeding Jerome Ford the ball week in and week out. They're going into their bye week this week. They have to figure out how to get Jerome Ford more involved in this offense. He is explosive, and when he does touch the ball more than 30 times, go look at his numbers. He's been fantastic when he does. Kareem Hunt's been adding a little bit more into the offense. Four carries for 12 yards. That's not going to get done. Najoku, I don't know what's going on with these tight ends. This guy was going to be as explosive of a tight end. Everybody says this guy could be so special. And some of the catches and grabs that he's made over the years has been sensational. But six receptions, 46 yards, that's not getting done. Elijah Moore is a bust. Two receptions, 20 yards. Uh, And Amari Cooper, he's not healthy. I I give him a lot of credit to go out there. One reception, 16 yards. Uh, Hopefully in the bye week, uh, Amari Cooper gets healthy. They need him just as bad. But Baltimore is the real deal. I've said it. And I don't know why you picked the Brown Speedy. Yeah. I have Baltimore. I didn't, well, I didn't know Deshaun Watson wasn't going to play. So, <laughs> whatever. But uh, nevertheless, uh, the Chargers beating the Raiders against their backup quarterback, 24 to 17. Almost blew that game. That would have been funny. Uh, Aiden O'Connell had to take over for the injured or maybe dating Sailor Swift, Jimmy G. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he played okay. He had a one bad interception at the end of the game, but 238 yards. Besides that, Josh Jacobs, a nice game. And actually receiving a nice game, too. And he gets just 81 yards for Jacobs. And the Raiders' defense was able to hold their own a little, which is surprising against Justin Herbert, who's had a phenomenal season so far, like we were saying, an MVP candidate. But 100%. Held him, to, held him to just 167 yards in this game. Obviously, no Mike Williams. They had to find somebody else. It was Josh Palmer that took over in this game. The Chargers' defense playing well enough, but just traded J.C. Jackson. <laughs> Not surprised Jimmy G is hurt, ladies and gentlemen. We expected this. Uh, Aiden O'Connell, who the hell is he? Uh, Seventh-round pick from Stuart Schweiger. It's Purdue Boilers. a new Purdy. A new Brock Purdy. Everybody (laughs) should go crazy. 24 for 39, 238 yards and one touchdown. Brock Purdy Jr. over here. Let's go with him. Josh Jacobs, they should be using more of Josh Jacobs. I have no idea. No idea what McDaniels is doing right now. 70 carries for 58 yards, one touchdown. This guy is as explosive as any running back in the league. And then when he does receive, Josh Jacobs had eight receptions, 81 yards. Use him on every offensive play. Devontae Adams, eight receptions, 75 yards. When you have two great offensive players like this, you should be putting up better numbers than 17 points. Okay? My opinion. The Chargers, they I, – I don't know what's going on with the Chargers offensively in this game, but Justin Herbert, 13 for 24, 168, 67 yards, one touchdown, one interception. I, what really stood out to me is finally they got something from Joshua Kelly, which they didn't get last week. They desperately need Eckler back. Desperately need him back in the offense if they want to get this offense moving in the right direction. Keenan Allen, 3 for 32, one touchdown. Uh, Quinton Johnston, their young superstar rookie wide receiver they drafted in the first round. One reception, 18 yards. That's not going to get it done. And Josh Palmer was their leading wide receiver. Yes, you heard it. Josh Palmer. Three receptions, 77 yards. They were lucky to win the game. 
You got that right. Uh, Dallas Cowboys over the New England Patriots at absolute domination, 38-3. to I picked the Patriots. I was badly wrong on that one. So, yeah, you could, if you want to make fun of me for that, go ahead. But, yeah, Dallas defense, that three touchdowns in this game. Mac Jones, uh, a lot of people were questioning uh, in terms of that. It, Bailey Zappi came in, in the second half, and it wasn't much better for the Patriots. So it's just basically saying uh, your offensive line's a mess and Dallas' defense is great. Uh, CeeDee Lamb played okay in that game, but, again, didn't have to do much. Like you're saying, Dak was efficient enough. Total annihilation of the New England Patriots. Yes, you heard it. Annihilated. Annihil. The Cowboys annihilated the New England Patriots. Yes, Bill Belichick's worst loss of his career, 38-3. It wasn't Dak Prescott, but he was efficient. 28 for 34, 261 yards, one touchdown. He did what he needed to do. Tony Pollard had a pretty good game. 11 carries, 47 yards. They're getting everybody involved. They're using Chirpin more in the offense. One one carry, 46 yards. I want to see more of that, especially what McCarthy likes to do and like what, it, what he likes to run. Um, obviously, C.D. Lamb had the, the touchdown that he had, but he didn't have one of his explosive games, but it, they didn't need it. Jake Ferguson in that defense, Jake Ferguson, seven receptions, 77 yards, and, and the Cowboys' defense just completely dominated. Micah Parsons was all over the field. Mac Jones was afraid of getting hit after he was getting hit in the first and second quarter. I think he just fell down to the ground and expected to be hit. Okay? Mac Jones, 12 for 21, 150 yards, two interceptions. He He's... He's horrible, okay? They need to figure out what's what's going on with the quarterback position. They're not getting a running game with Stevenson and Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, Stevenson had 30 yards, and, and Ezekiel Elliott had 16. That's not enough. Yes, they were down by a lot, and that's why they didn't run the ball, but that's not that's not an, really an argument to it. If you know you're going to lose a game, run the clock out, and don't let them put up the points that they did against you. 38-3 to was embarrassing. Uh, Hunter Henry, four receptions for 51 yards. That was really it. And I, I told this to Jeff, and I'll tell this to Snug, and all you dumb Patriot fans, number twos, you've got number threes and number fours on your roster. You're not going to win with Kendrick Bourne and Devontae Parker and Juju Smith-Schuster. They stink. That's it. Stink. Washed up. Done. They're done. They're the worst team in the AFC East. It's not even an argument. That's all I got to say about that. The other Patriots are still better than the Giants receiving core. And that says how bad the Giants are. All right, last one of the 4 o'clock games. We discussed the two New York teams already, so we'll skip that. Uh, The 49ers destroying the Arizona Cardinals. Not like the Dallas Cowboys did, because they lost to the Arizona Cardinals. Who have they beaten? Who has the 49ers beaten? (laughs) 35 to 16. Come on. Christian McCaffrey. Uh... Looking like if there's any non-quarterback MVP. He's an MVP candidate. He definitely is that him. 106 yards and three touchdowns in this game. Seven catches, 71 yards. And I think... He uh, won't be healthy all season. Yeah, that, that's the only thing. I, for a running back to be able to win MVP, you're going to need to be like that good, that consistently all season long. Will he be that? It's definitely possible, but it's going to be very hard. When, so you're, like you are saying, they're going to have to face some tougher teams later in the season. They face Dallas this week. That'll be a big test for them against that defense. But uh, obviously their defense showing up against uh, the Arizona. But uh, give credit to our guy Brian Drake who dubbed this guy Michael Wilson a good rookie wide receiver that not a lot of people are talking about 76 yards and two touchdowns he broke and Dobbs continues to play well for the Cardinals Rich Eisen's MVP candidate Brock Purdy 20 for 21 283 yards one touchdown he's efficient He's not an MVP candidate. Stop it. Rich, what is wrong with you? I know you're a Jets fan. I know you're all at loss because we can't find a guy in the seventh round. We can't even find a guy in the first round. But get off it. This guy is not an MVP candidate. He has an efficient 
Offense, Christian McCaffrey, 20 carries, 106 yards, three touchdowns, explosive. They're getting enough from their stars. Brandon Ayuk, again, six receptions, 148 yards. Christian McCaffrey, seven receptions, 71 yards, and a touchdown. Ray Ray McLeod, two receptions, 22 yards. They're spreading out the offense. George Kittle, they have to get more involved in this game. But if they do that, they're going to be good. Wait until they have to play the good teams. Wait until they have to play the Eagles again. When they have to play teams that are going to be able to control them offensively, or it's going to be defense versus defense. I have to give Joshua Dobbs a lot of credit. For a guy that's taken over for Kyler Murray, he's looked really good as a backup quarterback. 28 for 41. They might have found something with this kid. 265 yards, two touchdowns. This guy has really... Nothing to play for. This team wants to lose, and he's putting up good numbers. This guy is for real. James Conner, 11 carries, 52 yards. He will be traded at the trade deadline. I absolutely believe that. Joshua Dobbs, 12 carries for 48 yards. He's even running the ball. I mean, Marquise Brown, 7 receptions, 96 yards. Trade. He's definitely going to be a trade, tar- a trade target. Zach Ertz, 6 receptions, 53 yards. They spread out the offense. It's not enough against a great defense. Nick Bosa was all over the place. His defense was all over the place. And his secondary, which has been a lot better than I thought they were going to be this year, has been as good a secondary as anybody in football. All righty. So we talked about the New York teams and the guys are there. You just want to skip those? Or do you want to do the New York teams? We could do the New York teams. All right. Well, we were talking about it earlier. The Kansas City Chiefs and the referees beating the New York Jets. The referees. By a final of uh, 23 to 20. If you want to add something conceptual in this game, the Chiefs were able to run the ball. If the Chiefs were able to run the ball a lot in the first half, like Josh big was, word for you, Derek. <laughs> <laughs> a big word, a, a big word for that. And uh, Isaiah Pacheco had a couple big runs in that game. In that big first word for quarter, me. <laughs> in, in, the, in that first quarter, yeah, you, you probably won't be able to pronounce it the next three times you say it. Screw you, Speedy. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, like you're saying, the, the Jets outplayed the Chiefs in pretty much every other aspect of this game. The Jets' offensive line was really good. The, the Chiefs' offensive line held their own at certain points, but the Jets' pass rush was getting them. And Zach Wilson definitely had the best game of his career. And hundred percent. If the Jets can, if the Jets can get a little bit out of that. Zach Wilson could be a placeholder, and maybe the Jets can sneak in as a wild card. We'll see. All he has to do is be efficient. Uh, The Jets got robbed. They got robbed in this game. We said it already. I had a whole monologue 30 minutes in the beginning of the show. They were robbed. The NFL should be ashamed of themselves. The referees should be ashamed of themselves. You're in MetLife. You have the advantage as a home team. How do you give the advantage to Patrick Mahomes? How do you give the advantage to Andy Reid? How do you give the advantage to this Kansas City Chiefs team? The game was there for the win. And yes, maybe Sauce did a tug, but it was within a five-yard radius. I don't want to hear from Patrick Mahomes. It was 12, 15 yards. Nobody's blind, Pat. All I'm going to say is Pat Mahomes had one of his worst games of his career. 18 for 30, 203 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. He should have had four interceptions. Thank you, C.J. Mosley. Thank you to the referee call at the end of the game. It should have been four interceptions. He had 20 carry yards. Jets have had problems with speed running backs on the outside. Pacheco was using those screen passes, running on the outside, not stopping. 5-5, five, five, an average. And then here, Travis Kelsey, six receptions, 60, uh, six receptions for 60 yards. That's not going to get it done. By the way, Travis Kelsey had, didn't have one of his explosive games. He hasn't been explosive the last two weeks, even with the touchdown the week before. He, what, he had 30 yards in the game? That's not enough. They're not going to win like this. I told you guys this. Their wide receiving core is the weakest they've ever had it since Patrick Mahomes has become a Kansas City Chiefs, since he's become a starter. It's going to be a big problem when he starts to play these big-time defenses. You see it against the Jets. The Jets completely shut them down in the second half. The second, the, the wide receivers on this team couldn't do nothing, couldn't do doggy doo-doo. 
in the second half. So, and I've told you guys this, this is going to be a problem for the Kansas City Chiefs moving forward this season. They give a team with a bad receiving core. The New York Giants definitely showed that again. 24-3, uh, to they get annihilated by the Seattle Seahawks. And the Seahawks look sloppy in the first half, too. The Giants are actually keeping it close a little bit because of that. The Seahawks had some mistakes with penalties, too, and drops and stuff like that. But they took off in the second half. Devon Witherspoon, like you were saying, had the pick six. He actually had another interception in that game and had a sack as well. He definitely showed why he was the fifth overall pick in that draft. And that pass rush, 11 sacks against that. God-awful, worst offensive line in the league, New York Giants. And like you were saying before, not all, not all Daniel Jones' fault. The return of Drew Locke, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, the retired old man, Drew Locke, returns to the NFL. Two for six, 63 yards. Uh, hopefully, Geno Smith is not injured significantly. This, the, To me... You need Geno Smith if you plan to be content, a contender this year. Uh, Kenneth Walker had a good game. I think they need to feed him more uh, more times. Uh, 17 carries, 79 yards, one touchdown, 4.65 in average. Noah Fawn had a good game, two receptions, 63 yards. Tyler Lockett, four receptions, 54 yards. DK Metcalf, who's really been working with an injury, three receptions for 34 yards and a touchdown. Uh, it, this is an explosive offense. The defense is really, really what's going to be the problem moving forward. Jamal Adams, again, out. Uh, who knows how long he's out. Uh, maybe he's out for his career. This guy can never stay healthy. Daniel Jones, he didn't have one of those good games. I understand the whole Dable thing, throwing the, the iPad at him. Who cares? 27 for 34 years. Nobody protecting him. 203 yards, two interceptions. Nobody protecting him. There's no weapons whatsoever. I don't want to hear it from the Giant fans. Oh, we got this guy. We got Mikey C. Please stop it. This offense is putrid, absolutely putrid. When you have Wondell Robinson, who's your leading guy who barely played since he's been drafted, five receptions, 40 yards. Isaiah Hodgins, you think that this, is guy, this guy's a competent wide receiver? I don't care what he did in the playoffs last year. I don't care what he did at the end of the team. The guy sucks. And Darius Slayton, who's one of the most overrated fourth, fifth string wide receivers in the NFL, he wouldn't even make any other roster. He stinks too. Uh, so don't give me this for all the Giant fans saying that, that Daniel Jones isn't a good quarterback. He doesn't have anybody. He doesn't even have Saquon Barkley, who's his freaking blanket. It's, it's, it's putrid. This team is putrid. If I was Dable, I would be taking a dump on the sideline. That'll be something to watch. Maybe, maybe the Giants should trade Darius Slayton to the Chiefs. He'll fit right in. Uh, speed receiver with drop problems. I, I can't. I, I, honestly, I'm not even a Giant fan. If, I, if you were a Giant fan out there, I would be pissed off watching this rubbish. This is, this is garbage football. They should be 0-4, honestly. They should be 0-4. They should be one of the worst teams in the NFL. If I were them, I'd lose every single game and try to get it. And I'll say this, Marvin Harrison Jr., that's where I'd be gunning for. You need a weapon. That's what you need, and you don't have one. And if T. Higgins becomes available in the yep. offseason, go after him too. Get two weapons. Joe Shane, get your thumb out of your ass and do something right. <laughs> All right, when we come back, I'm sorry to the boys, but we have Wes, we have Derek, and we call it Let's Parlay. If you're a handicapper, you have to listen to this segment when we come back here on the Sports Loudmouth. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouths. 631-672-3108 is the number to call. You are listening to the Sports Loudmouth. I am your host, Errol Marks, my co-host, the Speedster, Speedy Petey. Go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out 
every single show, including the Loud Mouth, which airs every single Wednesdays and Thursdays at 7 p.m. Tune in to all our shows. All you have to do is go to the menu bar. Whatever you miss, whatever you miss throughout the week, you can go to Apple Podcasts, tune in, listen to any one of the shows. Game on, the Sports Loud Mouth, our betting handicapping show with Wes. And our buddy over there, Chaz. Saturdays in Canada. Saturdays in happens Canada. Happens to be on Thursday. That's right. We call this segment, ladies and gentlemen, with our great handicappers. We have Wes, we have Derek, and we will have Reno Johnny coming in probably around 9 o'clock. We call this segment, Let's Parlay. Parlay, olay, olay, olay. Parlay, parlay. It's time for Let's Parlay. Whoa, man, oh man. I actually came from I came back from a cruise, boys. I enjoyed four nights in five days on the water in the Gulf of Mexico. I went to Mexico, got myself a wonderful hat at Cozumel over here. Cozumel, Canada. Uh, I'm just Canada, uh, Mexico. And by the way, just so everybody to know, do not go and buy jewelry in Mexico. Do not do that. My girlfriend bought a ring, a moon ring, for $350 of American money. It was horrible. Me too. I, I went. I, this hat right here was $40 American money. Does this look like it's worth $40? Seriously. But nevertheless, good time. Spent a lot of money. I did not drink. I don't drink. But my girlfriend did. Didn't drink enough. Worldwide West, what's going on with you, man? What are your thoughts of the Kansas City Chiefs robbing the New York Jets for a win? You want my thoughts on the Chiefs, or do you want the second topic of the, the robbery and the call? Both of them. Go ahead. Let's hear it from you. I mean, I don't think it was a great call. I don't think that flag needed to be thrown. I, I'm not going to go to the extent that you did, uh, because when it's all said and done, if the Jets were going to win the game, it, it shouldn't have come down to that. Um, but I think the Chiefs did what the Chiefs do. The Chiefs were a nine and a half point favorite. You could have caught it at eight and a half, and and they don't win big and cover in those spots. And so, for Mahomes to take the knee and or to slide and do what he did, and the Chiefs to choose not to score that touchdown and cover the spread, that's it, a very Chiefs thing to do. You, you just don't bet them in in those spots like that. They always come out and play close, and then. You know, you know, my brain goes back to the first Super Bowl that the Chiefs won of the Mahomes era. And Mahomes had a really bad October. He was coming off an MVP season. He was throwing interceptions. There was a lot of question marks. What's wrong with Mahomes? And he had a string of really bad games in October. And, you know, back then they weren't about to, I mean, they, nobody knew that this was a Super Bowl team. And now you look at them and it, it's, Mahomes said it in his presser, they, they're trying to win Super Bowls. This game, they, they got to win. I mean, they, they won a conference game that might matter down the road. But how much they won by, how they won, it's not really going to matter once they see the playoffs or they're the one or two seed. It's going to matter if somehow the Jets sneak in and they have to play the Jets. Because obviously the Jets will have their number or have their logo on the board saying that this game should have been ours. Now, I know you're going to say, well, not necessarily, but hey, listen. It was they. They intercepted the ball. He. There. Who. Who was the guy that intercepted? Was it? Um. Was it? Um. Which one? It wasn't. Wasn't Sauce. It was the other guy. It was the other safety. But he was running. He was going to run to the. He was definitely going to jet when he saw the. When he saw the flag, he just he just dropped to his knees because he wasn't sure if it was on them, or on you know on the Broncos. So he just dropped to his knees, and, and, and if, if it wasn't thrown, I think he runs to the 50 or maybe even the 40, and, and the Jets but, have a chance to kick a field goal. 
Mahomes had a bad day. There, there's no doubt about it. And when he's throwing interceptions and three, it could have been four. I mean, CJ dropped one. He could have had his first of two of the night. But you, that's the only way you're going to beat the Chiefs. I mean, you're, you're going to have to catch Mahomes having a bad day. He was having a bad day, and then he burned you with his legs. Well, how do you – how do you plan for that? Because he's not a running quarterback. Well, he's just smart as to. He got he burnt. He burnt the Jets with his legs because there was a lot of holding, as we all know. There was a lot of holding from the Kansas City Chiefs offensive line. And I said that against the Cowboys. I pointed it out. The Jet, for some reason, the NFL and these referees are not calling anybody on the op- opposing side. And I'm, I'm not saying this because I'm a Jet fan. I'm saying what I've seen. The Cowboys were holding the Jets the whole game. Quinn Williams was getting held. Bryce Huff was getting held. No penalties were called. None. Well, look at the way. Look at the way this Seattle game started the other night. There was like it, there was like five penalties, six penalties yep. on, on the. On, I felt like the opening drive. There's just always laundry on the field. The first thing we do after a big play is is. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Is there a flag? Is there okay? We're good. Mm-hmm. And and that's every play. And it there's a fine line. I don't know where that line needs yeah. to be, but every big play, we're looking to see if there's a flag. And and probably half the time or better, it comes back. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, as a Jet fan, uh, and even a person that watched that game, it, it's to me the NFL has some vendetta against the New York Jets. That's what I see. I, I don't know if anybody believes the same thing I, I do, but I think a lot of people all over social media believes that the NFL is not stepping in, they have not stepped in, to to really look at the situation for what it is. Even against the Buffalo Bills, they were doing things illegal, head, going headhunting for Zach Wilson in the third quarter. They didn't call anything. And, and to me, uh, that could have cost the Jets the game too, and the Jets might have no wins. The Jets could be 0-4 right now. So it, it just, to me... I just think the NFL needs to look at this and they need to figure this out because you doing this to the Jets and the fans are seeing it and you know the Jets fans love their team. They love it. Everybody talks about the Kansas City fans and the Giant fans. The Jets have one of the biggest fan bases in in all of football and they want to see a winner. And when you see calls not getting called the way it should be called and cost the Jets a chance to win a game, that is a problem. And, and and I don't care what the NFL has to say. I don't care if the Jets haven't made the playoffs in 12 or 13 years. That doesn't mean anything. If Aaron Rodgers was playing, and by the way, if that hit, if that was Tom Brady, that's a penalty. That is a penalty, okay? <laughs> we all know it. And it he, they hit Aaron Rodgers, and yes, Aaron Rodgers did it to himself. But if if that was Tom Brady... That would have been a major penalty and all that other stuff. It didn't happen against Aaron Rodgers. Why? Because he's a New York Jet. And that's the way the Jet fans think of it. And I, and I, I think they have a legitimate argument to this now. And I, we're going to have, um, obviously, Fireman Ed on the show. He was supposed to be on tonight. Uh, he had something to do. He will be on next. I can't wait to hear what he has to say about that call, I, even though if the Jets beat the Broncos. But we'll definitely bring this up to him. But anyways, let's go. I know Derek and you guys, and Wes, you have things to do. And I'm just happy to have you guys on. We'll have Johnny on in about two minutes, hopefully. And then we'll have your, you know, his picks, too. So we'll go from one to four as the fourth one is your parlay. Um, it doesn't mean anything, obviously, as we all know what a parlay is. <laughs> But uh, let's go. Wes, you go first. Derek, you go second. And Johnny, whenever he pops in, he'll go third. All right. I, I got uh, – By the way, we have a lot of Houston people that I met on board that are listening to the show. I, t- I spoke very highly of you guys. Uh, and obviously listening to your picks because you guys are dead right. Uh, you know, and and I, by the way, 
since we started Moneyline Mania, you guys have been, all of you guys, have been over 73% of the time right with your picks. 73. I mean, that's better than Vegas, okay? So... Uh, that says a lot about what you guys do and how much work you put into this. So I have a lot of people from Houston listening to the show right now, listening to your picks. Well, I'm going to go. Uh, the first one I'm going to is UCLA against Washington State, and I'm going to take UCLA, and I'm going to lay the three and a half points. Washington State is coming off of a, 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 just a huge game uh, against Oregon State, and I don't understand why they're rated as high as they are. I, I, I don't. But they're coming off a 38-35 game, which there's a lot of emotion that goes into that. Well, now they get to go on the road, and they get to play against a very well-coached guy. Chip Kelly is, like, under the radar these last couple years, but UCLA is always competitive. They're coming off of a bye. UCLA, surprisingly, one of their strengths is against the rush, their defense against the rush. And I really like the freshman, Dante Moore. He's eight touchdowns to two interceptions, and he's coming off a bye. And a bye week for a freshman being coached by Chip Kelly is only good things. Now, when you go over to the line movement, uh, I always like to look at that. The spread open at three and a half. 72% of the, of the tickets or of the public is on Washington State because of the matchup they're coming off of. They just won against a ranked team. That line has not moved. The line has not moved, which means there's either a ton of money that's keeping it in place on the UCLA side, or the house is totally content to give that 72% of the people three and a half percent, and they they want to stay with UCLA. So I I think UCLA is going to win this by double digits. We're going to be done talking about Washington State as as a as a top 15 ranked team. All right, Derek, what do you got? I will go to the NFL. I'm going to go to the player prop market. Go with DeAndre Swift's rushing total over. Uh, 66 and a half against the Rams at four o'clock this Sunday. Uh, I like the over for a number of reasons here. Um, he did not hit this last week against the Washington commanders in what was mostly a negative game script. Washington was winning this game through the third quarter. Um, they, the Eagles were presented a plus matchup against the Washington pass defense. Um, that is a really not bad, but a, a pretty mediocre secondary. I think the Eagles wanted to exploit that matchup. They were trailing for most of that game from the jump. Um, they were still able to run the football effectively against a really, really good defensive line in Washington. They had four first-round picks on that D-line. Now they get to they take a huge step down in competition against the Rams this week. This is a Rams run defense that has allowed six yards per carry to Kenny Walker in Seattle week one, over six yards per carry to CMC, which, I mean, that, that happens to everyone. And then around four yards per carry to guys like Joe Mixon and Zach Moss. Zach Moss, who's had a nice year, but they were down 20 down as much as 23 nothing in that game he still hit 70 yards joe mixon hit 65 yards um i think we can all agree the eagles rushing offense is a lot better than both of those teams um they're five point favorite as of right now very possible that the eagles are playing in a positive game script um i don't think the rams are ever going to be in a commanding lead kind of like washington was like last week and the run game is completely out of the equation. So Swift has hit this in every single game except for the first week and last week. Um, I really like this total 66 and a half over. Mr. West, give us your second pick. 
Well, the next one I'm going to, and I, I like some of these these big name team matchups uh, in college this week. I'm going to Georgia and Kentucky. I think that um, you know, again, the line movement. Yeah, that, I mean, that's just one piece of it. I I, I spent at least an hour breaking down each game, and um, the spread is 14 and a half. 79 of the public bet is on Kentucky, and the line has not moved. When you look at these two teams, um, we're we're looking at a quarterback for Kentucky that is, uh, he's throwing a pick in almost every game. The only time he's thrown two was on the road. Well, that was at Vanderbilt. Now he's gonna go to Georgia. That is one of the most difficult places in college football to play. Georgia is better top to bottom. I think the only reason that this spread is not 17 or even into the 20s is because Georgia has been been having slow starts. They've gotten off to a couple slow starts, and by, by slow starts, I mean there's been some first quarters where they're only winning seven to nothing. They've gone down three to nothing. Uh, but top to bottom, Georgia is the better team. Georgia has this Alabama feel about them these last couple of years, and and this year they really do. They're 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 not looking good, and they're pulling off wins. They're not covering thirty point spreads, but they, they are the best team in college. I, I, there's some people that would argue Michigan, uh, but but nonetheless, this is this is the kind of game where. Uh, Georgia separates themselves. Uh, Kentucky, congrats to them on on beating what we all thought might have been a decent team in Florida. I'm one of the morons that thought Florida was worth something, but uh, I think 14 and a half points, laying 14 and a half on Georgia, is a gift in this scenario. It's a complete gift. It's 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 Hanukkah. It's going to be just oh. in time for Canadian Thanksgiving. I think that Georgia is going to win by 20 plus. <laughs> Uh, and it's going to be ugly early. I think Leary is a throw the ball to Georgia at least three times. Let's spin a dreidel. Let's take a moment here to say that Wes actually said the word Michigan. <laughs> By the way, I feel so bad what happened to Riley Leonard, and Duke just got robbed. They they were going to knock off another top top 20 team in North, Notre Dame, and and then, what, what 30 seconds, they run it in, and, and, and by the way, Riley Leonard gets hurt. He has a high ankle sprain. He might miss a couple of weeks, which hurts Duke. I mean, if Duke beats Notre Dame, I mean, they, they jump in the top 10. That's where they go. I mean, it's unbelievable how Duke has been playing defensively. Riley Leonard running the ball and throwing the ball. This kid is real. I'm not, I'm not saying this because he's been on our show and we love the kid. This guy is for real, and this guy could be – and I'll say it again. He, he's a, he's a mid second round draft pick. Some people could probably say that if he continues playing the way he has been this year, he could be a, a late first round draft pick with all those top quarterbacks that are going to be in this class. So I, I love what the kid has done. I feel so bad for him. Him limping off the field and I, just sad. I mean, I, I watched him. He, he was crying on the sidelines because he was in a lot of pain. But thank God it's just a high ankle sprain. Go ahead, Derek. Your second one, baby. So. For my second pick, I am going to go to Sunday Night Football. I am going to take the points with the Dallas Cowboys, plus three and a half. Um, This is a sell-high spot for me for the 49ers. They are 4-0. They are, by most uh, media people, I would say probably people on the stream right now, their best team in the NFL for power ranking purposes, the way that Vegas power rates them. And I, I think that's correct, the way they've looked. Offense, defense, Purdy's been efficient. And with a healthy CMC, we, th- this offense has been an absolute machine. Uh, for my money, MVP of the league so far. Who has? Running back, McCaffrey, but, okay, um, okay. I thought you said Brock Purdy. An absolute <laughs> weapon. Look, I think this is a huge step up in competition for them. They've blown out the Steelers, who might be the worst offense in the NFL. <laughs> they've blown out teams like the Giants. I don't know, the Giants might have an argument. <laughs> That's true. Uh, they've blown out the Giants, 
the Cardinals, a little bit of a dogfight with the Rams. They, they ended up playing that game by touchdown, but it was a cheap cover that I think <laughs> we are all familiar with. Nice maneuver by Sean McVay, but I, I, I'm just buying the Cowboys here. It's over a field goal, so three and a half points. Um, I think this is a huge step up in competition. Dak has taken care of the football so far. The O-line going into Sunday night is healthy. It looks like Zach Martin is going to be in. Tyler Smith, the Cowboys defensive line, I think they can get after Brock Purdy. He did it last year, wild card round, and it was her worst start of his career. I think they're going to do the same thing on Sunday night. Cole McKivitz has been a turnstile at right tackle. Um, I don't think these teams that they played against are good enough to take advantage of it other than the Steelers. We saw TJ Watt have his way week one, but mm -hmm. it didn't really matter. Um, I think it's going to be the same thing on Sunday night, but the Cowboys can make this a game. They can beat the 49ers. To catch this ticket, they have to keep it within three, within three points. They don't even have to win, so... I'm going to take the points here with the Cowboys plus three and a half. Reno Johnny, we need to get two picks from you. Give us your first two picks. I hate to do it, but I'm on the Cowboys plus three and a half. I actually uh, I snagged a four at a book that I was playing at, and it's quite simple. You know, a, 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 yes, do I think they're the best team? I do, but I also think that they really haven't played a lot of a lot of competition. This is going to be their toughest test, and I know it's at home for the first time. I don't know if you know, the first time since 1990. That these two have played in prime time. That's kind of, wow. that was a shock to me. Mm -hmm. So I, I feel like both sides are going to be juiced up. I just think that the three and a half is definitely well within the cover. I think it's a last minute field goal, last second field. Team who has the ball last sort of situation is going to win this game. I will say Dak Prescott, his turnovers have always scared me. He kind of made a comment. He's going to have less than 10 interceptions this year. I was like, are you really? And look, if you look at the NFC East quarterbacks, he's got one interception. Every other quarterback has at least four turnovers, whether it's interception or fumbles. He's leading the pack by a large margin, including Jalen Hurts, including Daniel Jones. Uh, everybody in that division, he's just way better at securing the ball. I like their offense. I think that they can just they don't need to do too much. Our defense has done a lot for them. Just run the ball, stay true to themselves. I think they stay within this number. Oh, you need one more pick. Right? One more. By the way, I love this shirt, oh. by the way. Love this shirt. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Thursday Night Football, let's give me the Bears. Uh, I did snag a seven. It went to seven, like, real briefly, and 30 minutes later, back down to six. If you can get six, I still like it. Seven to me is the number I got. But at the end of the day, uh, the Commanders have played pretty well in terms of competing with teams. Well, one thing that surprised me is their defense. Their defense has not been that good. They let up a lot of early points against the Broncos, let up a lot against – I thought the front seven looked weak against the Eagles. Um, they do play competitive in that game, and I think a lot of people now are selling uh, big time on the Bears. They think maybe they're going to start tanking in a way. But I think I like Justin Fields here to kind of have one of his better games this season for a couple of reasons. One, do I think that the Bears are going to get the number one pick or at least the top two pick? I absolutely do. However, no matter what happens with the Bears and what quarterback they get, Justin Fields, I think, is, is done. he's done in New York, in Chicago. He's going to be looking for another team. Now it's time to kind of back him because he's still going to play. No matter what you think about the, the, the Bears selling, I think Justin Fields is still going to have an impact in these games. I do believe they can stay within this number. Commanders have played maybe a little a little too well. People are kind of backing them a little bit. But I think minus six, minus seven is just way too much of the Commanders. Give me the Bears plus seven, plus six, whatever you got. You know what's crazy about – Obviously, you were talking about Justin Fields. He He's going to be available in the offseason. There are a lot of teams that could be looking for a young quarterback that has the ability that he has. And, and you saw this week, he can make plays. And he's still a good quarterback. 
there are teams lining up. I, I think I'm not going to say the Jets, but the Giants could be looking for a quarterback. Um, there are teams out there. Seattle, uh, if Geno Smith is not the guy, if he can't stay healthy, there are other teams that are going to look for a Maybe the Cowboys. They brought Trey Lance. Why don't they bring Justin Fields in? It's possible. Dak Prescott is definitely not going to be back. $61.5 million. And maybe at that point after that, maybe the maybe the Cowboys can gather the three uh, 2021 draft quarterbacks. Trey Lance, Justin Fields, and Zach Trey Lance. Well, Trey Lance is going to be gone after this year. They only brought him in because they thought they needed another competent quarterback as a third string in case Cooper Rush doesn't stay healthy. And, and we, we saw what Cooper Rush did last year, but I don't think he's going cool, to you do beat it the Bengals. again uh, this year. I, I don't think it's going to be. So I, I thought they thought if Dak Prescott gets hurt, they could bring Trey Lance in and maybe they, they, they catch lightning in a bottle. He will not be there next year. So they will be looking for somebody to back him up next year. Maybe it is Justin Fields. Who knows? By the way, did Philadelphia hit home run? They did. Looks that way. Yeah. They hit home run. All right. What's the score right now? Is it one nothing? Not sure. The by the way, three nothing. Three nothing. There you go. Look at that, Derek. Your Philadelphia Phillies take the lead. Let's go. <laughs> I picked the Diamondbacks. <laughs> All right, Wes, give us your third, baby. You know, I was going to give a college, but you know what? I'm going to give two NFLs. First NFL is sorry, Errol, taking the Denver Broncos. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 down to one and a half, um, mm-hmm. and that that is that is a reverse movement. Seventy mm-hmm. percent is on the Jets, and that line opened at two and a half, and we're down to one and a half. The Jets just came off of a game where they lost, and it's fair to say they lost on some suspect calls. You could say the refs the refs beat beat them. You could they, it, but the sum of all of it is. They blew an opportunity to beat Patrick Mahomes when he was feeling generous and giving the ball away. And the way that that the Chiefs beat them in the end, saying we don't need this touchdown, we're just going to get out of here. Uh, that's that can really be a locker room breaker. That that type of loss. They lost Rodgers. I get it. Rodgers was never really a part of the team. He never played a game for them. All the hype going into the offseason and now what they look like. But now you, you let, let's just go to the Broncos. All the trash talk that's out there. Russell Wilson is nine touchdowns to two interceptions. Yeah, this is not bad quarterback play. If if I offered you that as a Jets or Giants fan, you would take it twice on Sunday. I like Denver's. They were out of that game against Chicago, and the quarterback that they played against and forced into mistakes is way better than the quarterback they're about to play in the Jets. The old line of the Bears is just as bad as the old line of the Jets. But but now, after all that emotion on a primetime game, now they get to travel across the country to a place where the air is thin and dispensaries are aplenty. And I think that Denver is going to win this game. There's no question Denver has the better coach here. Laying one and a half is an insult to the, to the home team. It, it, the standard is three. Uh, Denver's winning this game by a touchdown. Just so you know that the Jets' offensive line in the last two weeks has been one of the best in football. So they've been a top 10 offensive line in almost every single statistic for an offensive line since Dwayne Brown has not been in that lineup and on that offensive line. I so, am not anti-Jets. I'm just telling you. I'm just saying you said the offensive line is just as bad as the Jets. That's not true. So I'm just right. letting you know. I'm just letting you know. I'm wrong. I'm wrong, but I will not be saying I'm wrong on Sunday night when this game is over. You know what? You know what? I, I'll tell you what. If the Jets win this game, man, if the Jets win this game, you got to apologize next week. How's that? 
I, I'll, I'll be happy to apologize. Uh, I'm, I still have to give you a jersey. I, I understand that. But you're still going to have to apologize to me, man. <laughs> well, if the refs keep cheating for the team. <laughs> so maybe, maybe Russell Wilson will have to start dating Taylor Swift. So cheating on Ciara, and maybe that'll work for You something. don't want to be a Swifty? <laughs> you know, maybe she's part of Kelsey's problem. Because I heard what you were saying earlier. Yeah. And Kelsey His numbers are down. He's not having big games. Is, no. is the Swifty Nation worse than the Kardashian Nation? <laughs> I don't know. I don't like, go that like, far yet. Like, am I going to read a story about Kelsey and a bra? Look at Odell time? Beckham's numbers ever since he started dating Kim Kardashian. <laughs> Eat your heart out, Reggie Bush. <laughs> before, before we Reggie, get to- won, Reggie won a touchdown with her. Reggie mm. got the best of it. <laughs> Boy, did he ever. <laughs> Derek, before we get to your next fix, uh, Carl's in the comment section. Fade the St. Louis Cardinals. Yes, they got last place, Carl, we know. Uh, thank God no Canadian football picks. And uh, Carl, <laughs> as a Bears fan, questioning your Bears pick, zero secondary at Chicago, no chance for the Bears. <laughs> Crazier things have happened. Derek, give us your third pick. I'm going to go to that Thursday night game, and uh, I'm going to keep it simple with this, with this one. Brian Robinson over... 15 and a half carries. So this is a horrible, horrible Bears defense. They are banged up in the secondary. Don't think Vera one to a short week and trust Sam Howell to simplify the playbook. In simplest terms, Ron Rivera trusts Brian Robinson. Um, I think every year you kind of see guys wave their support Antonio Gibson every single year. And he had his little bit of of a run as a rookie when he initially got drafted. But the trust between him and Ron Rivera has just gone downhill every single year. He has fumble issues. And I think the only opportunities where they really trust him now are passing down situations two minute stuff early down work is all brian robinson and their two wins he's had 19 and 18 carries respectively last week he had 14 against the eagles but they were trailing most of that fourth quarter chasing passing the ball most uh for most of the fourth quarter overtime um they're six point favorites tomorrow night i i know that chicago secondary is banged up but i don't think rivera wants to drop back and throw the ball 35 40 times to sam howell i think he wants to run the ball against his atrocious Chicago front. They're 21st <laughs> in run defense DVOA. That defensive line is terrible. Um, I think this is a game where Robinson has 16, 17, 18 carries. He's running the ball a lot at the end of game, end of the game to melt some clock. So over 15 and a half carries for Brian mm-hmm. Robinson tomorrow. All right, Reno Johnny, my friend. Give us your third pick, my friend. I'm here. I got. I'm cooking dinner. Tonight. <laughs> you last, last week you were night. you were washing your baby's ass, and now yeah. <laughs> and you were four and zero, and you were four and zero. So you should have been wiping your baby's ass again in the shower. Yeah, I got a lot of stuff. I do dinner tonight. I got the wife needs to eat. If I don't cook, she don't eat. So give me Wyoming plus six and a half in Laramie, and that's one of the toughest places to play in the country. Basically, I mean it's a, it's seven thousand two hundred one. I think is the is the actual number above sea level. Real tough to get out there and play. Fresno kind of sleptwalked through their game last week against Nevada. By the way, didn't cover um, uh, with the 13-second touchdown at the end of the game. Not that I was on it or anything, and it hurt me, but it did. Um, uh, and so they, they kind of didn't play as well as I thought. Now they got to kind of head. It's one of the toughest places to play. I think Wyoming's really experienced. They have a lot of pieces. They can pass the ball well. They're real balanced, good defense, and just a lot of experience on that team. And a lot of Fresno guys are going to be really, it's going to be kind of a shell shock. The one benefit that they're getting is they're not playing in Wyoming in November. 
beginning of October. So it's not going to be as cold as it would have been if they were there in, late, in mid to late November. Um, but I still think that Wyoming is just a tough place to play. And we're clapping. What's going on over there? <laughs> I'm on Middle Tennessee. What? I'm on Middle Tennessee. Oh, oh me too. Me too. Me too. What, what happened? What's the score? Well, they just covered the over 13 and a half for the first time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Perfect. There you go. There you go. All right. Give us your fourth and final one, Wes. I'm going to stay in the NFL, and uh, this one might not be popular. Don't worry. I'm not going to bash any New York teams, but I'm taking the Eagles, and I'm taking – I'm sorry. I am taking the Rams, and I'm taking the five points. The Eagles, uh, they are not playing. They are they are not playing very good pass defense, and they're going up against, believe it or not, the number two team in the league in terms of passing yardage. Uh, Stafford's got to stop throwing picks. I mean, he's got five picks this season, but, uh, but if we would have said going into this season – that by week five, we'd be talking about the Rams as, as a top passing team in the league. Um, you know, any one of you would have asked me to, to have a little bit of whatever drug I'm on. But <laughs> the, these Rams are playing good ball. And again, I, I, I look at scenarios and the Eagles are coming off a game that was closer than it should have been. A hard fought division game where they allowed points. I mean, more than they should be. And they still pulled off a win, but now they get to travel to the opposite end of the continent and and play against a team that's still pretty good on defense. Um, I, I really like uh, Byron Young mm. and, and the way that he's playing. He's got only he's got two sacks on the season, but he's really a disruptor to the tight end production. And if you watch him play, uh, you know, he's really going to contribute. So I, I, I like what the, I think the Rams defense is going to be good enough. The Eagles are going to get their points and they're probably going to be able to run the ball a little bit. But uh, I just think five is too many. I think the Rams have a shot to win this game. Mm. No matter how much we like these teams, the Eagles, the Cowboys. I mean, Cowboys and the Niners, somebody's losing, right? But they, but no matter how much we like these teams, they lose games. 13-3 and three and 14-2, and two, that's about where records finish in, mm. in this NFL. So the Eagles are going to lose one somewhere. They're probably going to lose three or four, and we don't know where, but I like this scenario to, to see the Eagles potentially lose, but I'm definitely taking five points. Derek, give us your final pick of the week. I am going to the Giants-Dolphins game, and I'm going to take Jalen Waddles receiving over at 59 and a half. This number feels way too low for me. Um, yeah. Waddle had a rough game last week. He had four catches for 46 yards. Three of those catches came in the fourth quarter when the game was out of reach. But look, Waddle, he missed a game two weeks ago. He, he's still on pace for 1,200 yards. It, it's been quiet for Waddle standards to start the year, but I mean, as we know with this Miami offense, between guys like him, Tyreek, Mostert, A-Chain now, like these guys are due to ex can explode every single week, and they, this is as a plus of a matchup as it gets against these Giants. Um, this secondary is a mess. I mean, you have Deontay Banks, their first-round pick at one corner who I am high on as a projection, but it, it's rough right now. At the other corner, Trey Hawkins, their six-round pick. They have a Dory Jackson. They're trying him out in the slot. He is allowing the third highest yards per completion in the NFL, 15.6 <laughs> yards per completion. Um, and they're paying him whatever, $11 million a year. Dollars a year to do it. <laughs> um, but Waddle's going to move all around the field. He's going to have a great matchup all around the field. And 
you have to worry a little bit about game script in this one. They're 10 and a half point favorites as of right now. But as we've seen with McDaniel, he does not take his foot off the gas. <laughs> 70 points against the Broncos, where two are through for 320 yards. Um, and Waddle Damon playing that one. But McDaniel's not afraid to, to let it loose in the second half. He did the game's two, three possessions out of reach, and, and they're in the lead. I, I think this is a Miami team that has better answers than every other team in the league when it comes to a team as blitz-happy as the Giants. Wake Marndale, as we know, blitzes more than anyone. And they they had some success on Monday Night Football at points in the first half against, against Geno and Seattle, who were down both starting offensive tackles, and Geno struggles against pressure, but... Tua gets the ball out faster than anyone. Um, I, I think, I mean, Waddle can catch the ball at the line of scrimmage and he can take one to the house at any any time. 59 and a half yards for him is nothing. That, that might take two catches for him to catch that one. So I'm going to take Waddle's over on Sunday. Don't worry, that line will move to 10, uh, 15 and a half by the end of the week. <laughs> yeah, you might be right. All right. Mr. Reno, Johnny, one more pick for you. By the way, you guys all together were 9 and 3 last week. Nine and three. Not bad. Not a bad week. Uh, my last play is going to be, you know what? I'm giving out two more plays, but we can just count one of them. <laughs> we'll count. I'll give out one play that will count, and it's nasty. Give me the Minnesota Vikings to cover against Swift Nation. Look, at the end of the day, haven't really been impressed with Patrick Mahomes. He hasn't done, he hasn't really put up Patrick Mahomes-like numbers. A lot of that has to do with his receivers. Travis Kelsey is going to get the attention now because you don't need to really worry about anybody else. Worry, worry about drops. They got speed, yeah, but they're not getting open. The line hasn't protected Mahomes as well. They actually got away with a, 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 an atrocious offensive holding uh, last game. That was like right in front of them. I mean, the guy stood him up, uh, and, and that was the 22-yard run by Patrick Mahomes that did not get called, right? I don't think they've been playing that well. Now they're going to Minnesota, and Minnesota really needs wins. They didn't, they have really, even in their win, have not played a good game at all. They won 21 to 13 against Carolina, which I think is a bottom three team in the league. They barely kind of squeaked that game out. It's a game they kind of need. They really need a get right game. And they understand this too. They get this game, they're two and three. They got the Bears next week, they're three and three, and they're right back in it, right? So this is a game for me that I'm looking at uh, them to need. And uh, just a bonus play, because I'm going to have to get out of here. Uh, take the <laughs> Orioles, okay? Take the Orioles every game. Take the Orioles, first five, team total, game. Orioles winning the World Series. You heard it here first. <laughs> good thing good thing, uh, good thing. I had the Rays beating the Orioles originally, but now they're out. So now you get to, now you get to play the old men in Texas. Of course he was picking Baltimore. <laughs> <laughs> I picked the Rays originally, and that was now wrong. <laughs> oh, he's a he's a piece of work, man. <laughs> Look, they're only in the playoffs once every year, so I might as well unload once the every ten and years. Try to bet on them, right? And, and, and unload them and max bet them every game. Well, hey, if they win the World Series, what was the number before the season started for them to win the World Series? I have a ticket at thirty-five to one, I think. Or and you have the ticket? Well, really? I was mid-season. The beginning of the beginning was even more. It was like seventy, I think, to start the year. I took it at thirty-five, and that was about three months in. Look at they you. They were thirty-three, thirty-four to one to win the AL East, like before, like mid mid off season. Then I think it closed like twenty-five to one ish to win the AL East. Hmm. But that that's to win the AL East. To win the World Series was probably. Yeah, uh, astronomical. Yeah. Are you worried about Batista being out though? <laughs> I, so I am, but but uh, 
Bucks, and he's out for all next year too, right? He's got, he's got, he's got to have some yeah. Tommy John, so he's out for a long time. However, I look at like Cano, like he put up his he had a one point five ERA, one point seven ERA, something stupid like that. He just kind of filled into the closer role. Mm-hmm. I actually like what we did with Jack Flaherty, and I thought the yep. pickup was terrible because he's not out of starter. But I like that we moved him into the pen. Tyler Wells as well was our starter, uh, you know, and had a really good, good, good starts. He had some arm fatigue. We sent him down to AAA, brought him back up, and now he was able to close out the final game to get us. He actually closed out the game that that sealed the AL East, right? So we have guys now in our pen. I think Fujinami is a question mark for me because mm-hmm. that guy is a guy where the first pitch, you know, if it's if it's going to be bad or if it's going to be good. Because he just had, you can just tell. And that first pitch is 15 feet off the plate. We're in trouble. But if he, if it's solid, he's going to be have a good outing. So that to me is my question mark: is if he's even going to make the the, the roster uh, in the first round. Not to be seen. Um, I'm okay with facing off against the Rangers uh, in a way because I, I don't know. I wanted the Rays because we we one we beat them most of the year, um, and we've seen it. We know about them, right? The Rangers are going to be kind of a wild card for us. Um, but we three three on the year, similar ERA, similar batting averages. It, it should be a good series. All right, boys, it's been swell. We'll talk to you next week. You guys are killing it. Uh, nine and three last week. We'll try to see and average out what the numbers are this week. But you guys have been dead on, and uh, we're just uh, excited to see where your numbers are going to land. Maybe Derek goes four and zero this week. <laughs> Maybe you all go for it. Yeah, Swift let him down two weeks ago by going over, having that big game on the Vikings. So. <laughs> We're coming back. We're coming back. Sweet. Maybe I'll send you a Taylor Swift hat, and maybe, <laughs> maybe it'll help your luck. Your Eagles will need a plan to stop uh, the rookie of the year, though, Mr. Puka. <laughs> We're all yeah, Swifties that's, now. That's going to be tough. I mean, I, I think Wes was spot on. It's it's a tough matchup. That should be a, that should be a lot of points in that game, I think. All right, boys. We'll talk to you next week. Have a good week, guys. See you guys. Wes, Derek, and Reno Johnny. Ah, it's been a great show. We have uh, we have about a half an hour, 45 minutes left of the show. We got a lot to get into. Uh, we got a lot of baseball. Uh, there's a lot to get into. We're going to make our picks. We're going to tell you who we think are going to the World Series. Well, I already lost that. I picked the race, so that was bad. <laughs> well, I, I don't know why you went that way. I was definitely not going that way. That's for sure. But anyways, uh, let's let's finish up uh, with well, we, we did a lot of football. We'll, we'll talk more football tomorrow because obviously we're we're going to make our picks net tomorrow. I want to do the basketball because there's a couple of things that happened over the last couple of days. Uh, Drew Holiday gets traded to the Boston Celtics, ladies and gentlemen. I, I can't believe this. You, you look at Drew Holiday. Drew, I've been saying when when Damian Lillard was traded for him in, in part of that trade, it was a three-team trade, I thought Drew Holiday was the best player in that trade. Not because I don't think he Damian Lillard is better than him offensively. I think his all-around game, Drew Holiday, is the best defensive player at his position in the league. Now he goes and he gets traded to Boston because Portland didn't want to pay his contract. He goes to Boston with Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and then Chris Stapp's poor Zingas. And now you have a, a, a fab five right now. Uh, if they stay healthy, we, we all know Chris Stapp's poor Zingas will not be healthy all season long. And Drew Holiday over the last two, two, three years, he hasn't stayed healthy for the whole season either. But if you can get... Three defenders like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and Drew Holiday on the same roster, and their bench is still pretty loaded. I mean, 
who's not going to pick the Boston Celtics in being the favorites to come out of the East? I know everybody looks at the Bucks and Milwaukee added Damian Lillard, and they have Chris Middleton, and they have the Greek Freak. They have no bench. The Boston Celtics have a better five starting, and they have a better bench. So if you would look at the rosters right now, Who's going to challenge them in the East? The Knicks are a young team and a rebuilding team. They might make the playoffs this year like they did last year. Probably a fourth or fifth seed. Maybe they're a little bit better. We'll see how all the... the maybe they make a trade at the trade deadline and make them a contender. Who knows? Because there have been rumors that uh, if Embiid becomes available, Embiid could be a Nick. We've heard other stories. I've, I've said to you know all the Nick fans all over social media that Devin Booker would be the perfect fit for the New York Knicks. They need a, a wing defender. They need a wing shooter. I think he's not the best wing defender, but he's a good wing defender, and he can shoot. He's one of the best wing shooters in all of the basketball. So I think that makes sense. But the Eastern Conference, it's it was wide open. Now it's really down to two teams. It's Milwaukee or the Celtics. And I, I again, Milwaukee, there's a lot of questions with Milwaukee with their, their bench and also uh, with the coaching situation too. I mean, so there's a lot of questions going into the season for Milwaukee. But uh, again, this move for Drew Holiday was a, a, an absolute steal. For the Boston Celtics, what did they trade Brogdon they for him? Brogdon and uh, Jeff Sky, Robert Williams, who's oh, been hurt a lot. He stinks. Yeah, he's been hurt a lot. So he stinks. They, had, they, they, had, they would have had to pay him at the end of this year, so I ended up uh, trading. Don't him. worry, ladies and gentlemen, we're getting into baseball. I just want to get through with the basketball <laughs> because uh, there's there's a couple of stories that we want to finish up with. Jimmy Butler says on Instagram, following the Damian Lillard getting traded to the Bucks, that you all need to look at the Bucks for tampering. Lillard and his agent said that he had been pushing to go to the Heat all offseason and said he might not play for anybody besides Miami. The Heat's alleged offer centered uh, around Tyler Hero and multiple first-round picks with Dame wanting to play with Bam Adebayo. Tyler Hero, who would have been involved in the trade, also mentioned he was suspicious about Butler's thinking. Former teammate C.J. McCollum and Josh Hart were lobbying for Dame to be traded to the box, thinking that he has a great chance to win a championship. Drew Holiday was traded to the Blazers, uh, who again got traded to the Celtics in a deal that involved Malcolm Brogdon and Robert Williams. Pat Riley had been accused of tampering in the past when he left the Knicks for the Heat in the 1990s. Jimmy Butler, okay? And I'm going to say this nice. You want to date Shakira, you want to date all these superstars, you want to steal other people's girlfriends, a.k.a. Carl <laughs> Anthony Towns. I mean, I, I think you're a fantastic playoff player. You're you're great, so fun to watch, and you're probably the a top five two-way player in the league. That's how good you are. And in the playoffs, you're probably one of the best when it comes to pressure shots and doing the things that you do well. Why are you speaking, Okay. You didn't get the guy. You didn't get Damian Lewis. So you're going to cry about it? You're going to cry that you're, you're a team that's in the same conference as you received and, 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 and made a better trade than Pat Riley was offering and Tyler Hero? Tyler Hero can't stay healthy. Is Tyler Hero better than Drew Holiday and DeAndre Ayton? Not a chance. Okay, so to cry about that, not you not getting Dame. And what happens if you landed Dame Lillard? What happens then? 
What are you going to say that? Oh, oh, it was a fair trade. It was a fair move. Why? Because you got him. That's why. You're crying, crying the blues like you always do. And these players, basketball players, are the biggest crybabies. Every single one of them. It, went, it goes from LeBron James to everybody. It tallies from one to the other. They're all crybabies. Every one of them. You don't get what you want. You don't get your trade. You don't get this. You don't get that. Hey, you don't get this endorsement. You don't get this shoe deal. You cry about it. This has been going on in the NBA forever. I've been complaining. That, to me, the least sport I want to watch now it was my favorite, and that was basketball growing up. I don't want to watch basketball. I'm lucky as a Knicks fan, and the Knicks had a good season last year, that I watched 25 games in the regular season. You know why? Because I'm bored of it. I'm tired of watching it. And by the way, the best time to watch it is after Christmas. It's no fun watching it the first 25, 30 games. You know why? Because it's terrible basketball. Yeah, and the regular season is already bad in itself with all these players uh, load managing, too. So it's very inconsistent to be able to just judge. And because 10 teams now make the playoffs now with the uh, the play-in tournament, too, like the regular season can be a very big drag. But as far as Jimmy Butler, yeah, he's somebody that I've always liked. I've always stuck up for because he's been kind of scrutinized by teammates in the past. When Cry me a of, river. Thought of as a bad teammate. But, yeah, I can't defend him on this one. Like, okay, you're accusing a guy in Pat Riley who, manipulated the LeBron decision and with Wade and Chris Bosh. He has manipulated the league for years, and I am a Pat Riley guy. Mm -hmm. I'm a Knicks fan, okay? He comes from the Knicks organization, the L.A. Lakers organization. He Then he goes to Miami because the Knicks wouldn't give him the GM job, and I've been saying this for years. I think Pat Riley is the reason why we've been hexed not to win a championship. Because if Pat Riley was there in 99 as the GM, the Knicks win the championship. Because I don't think Kevin, I, I don't believe half these players are on that team. Right. I, I don't. I think it's a better team. It's a better roster. Mm -hmm. The Knicks probably wouldn't have been an eight seed either. They wouldn't have had to go through all those road games like they did just to get to the finals as it was. I know Latrell Sprewell wouldn't have been on the team or the roster. <laughs> Definitely That's not. for sure. Especially how he likes to attack his own coaches. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm surprised he doesn't bite their you-know-what's off. I, I, To me, I, I think when you look at basketball, and I've said this over and over again, and I can complain about it over and over and over again. You have a bunch of prima donnas. The league is run by the players. It's not the owners. You have how many players that have ran out of uh, ran ran owners out of the league? There are two owners that have been run out of the league in the last eight years. Two of them. Why? Because the players didn't want to play for them. Because years before that, they were they said they had racist remarks that was recorded by them. Okay, everybody has a racist part or says something racist in their lifetime. It doesn't matter if you're you're African American, you're white, you're Puerto Rican, anything. Okay? You're going to say something that is racist out of your mouth at least once or twice. I bet you speedy and you're not, you're the least person that speaks about anything be between sexist or um, color or whatever. Discrimination. Discrimination. You you never say anything. I bet you you said two, at least two racist things this year, this past year, already, and you didn't even know that. Yeah, maybe I did. Who knows? But even so, like, you look at tampering in the NBA as a whole, too. Like, it's a very loose thing when these players are all talking to each other, too, and that's the, why. The whole Kyrie Irving thing, how many racist things came out of it, anti-Semitic things came out of his mouth, and nobody stuck up for the Jews? Mm -hmm. How many? I mean, Kevin Durant didn't stick up for him. LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard. No. None of them did. Why is that? Ask that question to all the players going into the season this year. You know why? 
because it's whatever the players want. It's whatever Kyrie believes and LeBron James believes because LeBron James is the boss of the league. But LeBron James is a sensational businessman. He really is. But that's because of his name. That's because of his brand. You know what he is as a basketball player? He's an ass. He's a crybaby ass. And that's half of them. You touch me, put a pinky on me. <laughs> Cry me a river. And, and okay, Jimmy, I'm tired of it. And Jimmy Butler comes Baby from, basketball. from the youngest group of that, like, that gap, 2003 probably to the 2012 draft or something like that. It's a lot of those players that have been this one complaining. Now, Jimmy Butler, I don't think, has been as bad as some of the examples you brought up with KD and Kevin uh, and Kyrie Irving and LeBron and all that stuff whining. James Harden's probably the biggest one in the league now, and he's now whining, oh, I don't want to play in Philly now. <laughs> so I don't even think Jimmy Butler's as bad as Tell that. Tell Adam Silver my nose is too big. <laughs> Oh, yeah, there is that. And then there's also his beard that's too big. But nevertheless, Jimmy Butler, when you're accusing somebody of tampering, it's so loose in the NBA because all these players are just uh, in cahoots with each other trying to manipulate, oh, I want to go to this team. I want to go play with this guy. Do you remember when the NBA, everybody hated each other? The Detroit Pistons, the Chicago Bulls, the LA Lakers, the New York Knicks. They all hated each other. When they played, they wanted to kill each other. Now they want to kiss and make up. And when when they're tapping and giving each other pounds in the middle of the floor when they're doing the jump ball, they're kissing each other. Hey, where after the game, you want to go hang out at the strip club? Yeah, why not? Give me a pound for that, baby. I've got a hundred. I got a hundred thousand ones waiting, waiting to go in my back pocket. Anyways, hopefully you don't see that kind of thing with this younger generation of NBA superstars, though, because, again, Jimmy Butler is a little older, but we haven't seen that as much. I mean, Giannis a little bit recently, maybe wanting out, but even his wasn't as hard as some of these things we've seen Kyrie and LeBron do. SNY's Andy Martino reports that Aaron Boone will return to the Yankees as manager next season. Hal Steinberg and Brian Cashman say that Aaron Boone was a positive force for the clubhouse despite the disappointing season with just 82 wins and 80 losses. Aaron Judge has advocated for the Yankees to keep Boone as their manager. Aaron Judge has recently criticized the Yankees analytics department questioning if they were getting the right numbers. The Yankees finished their worst record since 1992. Still a 500 record which is the longest 500 record in professional sports history, which is 34 seasons with over a 500 record. For all those Brian Cashman haters, yes, he hasn't done right to the New York Yankees. The Yankees haven't won a World Series in, what, 12, 13 years now. It's the longest drought the Yankees have ever had. But I will say this. Brian Cashman, you have to give him another year. You have to see what he's going to do in the offseason. It didn't work out with Carlos Rodon so far. Rodon says he's going to step away from baseball for a couple of weeks uh, after the season that he had. He wasn't 100% healthy. He needs to figure it out. I believe Carlos Rodon, and mark my words, if, if you're a betting man, you're on DraftKings, you're on anything, I would bet the over on Carlos Rodon's numbers next year. ERA under... His whip under and his win total over 12. Over 12. I think he wins 14 games next year, 15 games. I think he's one of the best left-handers in baseball next year. You heard it from me. Bet 
the boat on it. Yes. Thank you, Jeff. <laughs> Take that, baby. Yeah, I'm definitely surprised they they did they did bring him back, being like that kind of season with all the issues. He was injured, man. I mean, not Carlos Rodon. I'm talking about Aaron Boone in general. Carlos Rodon, I, I'll give him a pass too. Aaron Boone. If you look at his record, who's had a better record no, than no, Aaron rec- Boone I, as I like a starter? Aaron Boone. I'm, I'm, as, I'm, as a starting manager for what five years? Who's had a better record than Aaron Boone in the last five probably, years as a manager? Probably only Brian Snicker for the Braves and I rest my Dave case. Roberts for the Dodgers. I, I rest my case. Maybe three guys. Yeah, maybe Milwaukee. Uh, yeah, there's, there's again only a few teams because again a lot of these young teams have just emerged this year. Only emerged the last two years. And your captain, your leader, wants him to come back now. If Aaron Boone loses next year, they don't make the playoffs. They don't make a run next year, and they don't do anything in the offseason that really stands out. Aaron Boone will be gone after next year. Right. There's no question that he will be. It's he's 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 on his final year of his contract, yep. the extension that they gave him. Right. So he will be gone next year. I just I question some of the things at the press conference at the end of the season, and 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 at, at obviously Brian Cashman and Hal Steinberger spoke after the season ended uh, before the weekend, and and pretty much spoke about the Yankees' season and what the Yankees need to do. I think it was Monday that they spoke when I was on the boat when I was on the cruise ship, but. Uh, they spoke and they said that Aaron Boone has been a good force, a positive force to this this clubhouse and this organization. I, I think he is a positive guy. I think he speaks very highly of his players and stands up for his players. But is that enough? He needs to prove that he can win. Uh, Girardi did it one year. He was there for 11 years. Now this is going on, I think this is Aaron Boone's sixth year. Sixth year. I mean, that's six years without a championship. At least Joe Girardi won it in his first three or four years. Now, Joe Girardi is never going to manage in the major leagues again because you look at the Philadelphia Phillies and what they have done over the last two seasons ever since he's been fired. Went to the World Series next last year after him getting fired in the middle of the half uh, before before the trade deadline. And that team was one of the hottest. The, the Philadelphia Phillies were one of the hottest teams in baseball with the roster that they had. And with one of his managers, one of his guys on, on the on the bench. So, and, and now Thompson is, is taking this team again to the playoffs and has a chance to win a World Series. So you see the difference in managing. It, it, it's not about being a player's coach. It's not about the analytics. It's understanding the game and the way the game has changed ever since our, our friend Rob Manford, the idiot, <laughs> one of the worst commissioners in professional sports, decided to change the game with the pitching clock and, and the bigger bases that are look like pizza boxes. Okay, <laughs> That's what they look like. Has anybody gone to a ballpark this year and looked at the bases? They sincerely look like pizza boxes. Yeah, the game I went to uh, uh, in the, the the Mets, I think it was uh, the Angels. The second game I went to, <laughs> there was this there was this like bird that kept roaming around. You could see it because of how big the base is. Obviously, the base it's horrible. is horrible, white. So like you could actually see that bird roaming around. It was like it was so funny to watch on the jumbotron throughout that whole game. But yeah, you look at the Yankees the way they're structured right now. The Aaron Boone has to do some more modern tactics within this bullpen in order to do it too. Because obviously, one of the things that he's been criticized for has been their bullpen strategy and also bullpen injuries, too. And like John was saying about the Orioles, maybe young starters out of the bullpen, too, could be something that could be interesting down the road. Well, we we all believe King should be a starter in that rotation. 100%. He should be a starter. And having King, having Rodon, and Garrett Cole as your three guys next year, and you have other guys like Cortez, I mean, you, you still have a very good pitching staff. And you can win with that pitching staff if the pitchers actually... Garrett Cole, to me, is the, the Cy Young uh, in the American League. I think he should win the Cy Young in the American League. He had one of his best years as as a baseball player, and, and he's been a Cy Young winner. 
So I think he's he's had just as good a season when he won the Cy Young with the Astros as he has with the Yankees this year. Buck Showalter told MLB.com that and SNY that he will not be returning as the Mets manager in 2024. The New York Post, Mike Puma, said that David Stearns told Buck that he would be fired if he didn't step down as the Mets manager. Both Pete Alonzo and Francisco Lindor said they did not like the decision to fire Buck. Buck won manager of the year last season, which makes no sense, winning 101 games. Steve Cohen called Buck a generational manager and called the Mets Woe's not Buck's fault. Why would you fire him then? I don't understand. The Mets went 74 and 87 this season with a payroll that was the highest in baseball by over $70 million. I'm not surprised with this. I believe bringing in, obviously, a guy like David Stearns, he wants to bring in his own guy. Craig Council could be available in the offseason. That was his guy. He hired him. And I, I think Craig Council will definitely interview for the job. The Mets might have to trade a pick to the Astros to get him because he's still under contract unless they fire him. But I uh, mark my words, Craig Council will be on the list of managers that they're going to interview, especially Stearns. Right, and you need somebody younger and more modern in today's game, too. Like, we were talking about, like, Aaron Boone with the Yankees, I think, has had some modern trends. He has to readjust, but I think he's done well for the most part since he came into the league in 2018. And the Mets need that kind of thing with their, whoever their next manager is, whether it is council, whether it is somebody maybe they're bringing in from in-house, or somebody that they're bringing in from another team's coaching staff, too. They need somebody young and more innovative. And, yes, I know he was good with the players, like Alonzo and Lindor were saying, but he he needs to be better with the younger players, the guys that you're trying to build. And the he guys always you... look pissed. Yeah, and the guys you're going to have to build with now because we saw them try to spend flashy and it didn't work. You're going to have to now have an approach of having these younger players come up and do well. And they're going to have to do it with the hitting, especially because they're going to have to spend money on the pitching. They're going to have to tr- spend trade assets to get this pitching up. Because, yes, yeah, Senga had a great year this year. Quintana is probably fine as a, as a third starter. Speedy, didn't I not tell you Senga was going to have a good yeah, you year? Did. I know. I, I told you because the league hasn't seen him yet. Now next year is where we're going to see if Senga could continue doing what he did this year. If he does it, the, the Mets have something. If he doesn't, I'm going to tell everybody, I told you so. And yeah, there's going to be some kind of natural regression from that anyway. That happens with rookie pitchers, overperforming pitchers. A lot of the times that when Cy Youngs will drop off the next <laughs> year, look at Miami with Sandy Alcantara mm-hmm. was struggling, then he got hurt. And that kind of thing is going to happen to some extent with Senga. Hopefully it's not drastic because you want the Mets to be able to build them as a number two or even an ace down the road because the Mets pitching is still kind of thin right now in their farm system. They've had some guys that have played well in double A, the trades that they've come over from the trade deadline, but still they are going to need more. I would encourage um, I, I would encourage David Stearns to try to make trades in order to do that. There's a bunch, couple young pitchers on arbitration that they could trade for kind of cheap, but they're going to need these young guys to be able to hit. So that's why I do like the idea of having Craig Council, who's been a good manager with the Brewers, to bring in, even if he did have to trade a draft pick. The Mets are right now, draft pick less of right anyway. and, and the Brewers are right now down one to nothing against Arizona in that series. If they lose another game, they're out. Stearns is now a New York Mets uh, executive, and uh, I could see Council being fired or, or let go after this because this is a Brewers team that a lot of people thought could go all the way, especially what they did in the second half of the season. Um, So uh, they have a good pitching staff. There's quite a few players that the Mets would probably be interested in if the Brewers are willing to part ways with them. I doubt it. But, hey, you know, anything's possible if you're a New York Mets fan. Speedy, are you ready to go through our postseason picture? And who do we think 
could go to the World Series and yep. win it all, baby. Here we go. I was I was dead right about Philadelphia last year, wasn't yes, I? Yes, you were. Okay. Well, you're going to be surprised on my pick this year. All right. Well, I already got the Rays wrong, like I told you, against the Rangers. The Rangers will move on, and they will face the Minnesota Twins. So that we do know. I was wrong. I had the Twins. You did have the Twins. Yes, okay. yes, so, so you had the Twins. Yeah. All right. So the, the two National League ones, I did have the Diamondbacks actually at the start. I didn't really like the Brewers as much because I didn't like their offense, really. And they looks like they're going to be in the lead. They're up in the game as well, 5-2 to two as well. So they'll, they'll be moving on. And the Phillies and the Marlins, did you have the Phillies as well? I had the Phillies. Okay, I, mm-hmm. fig- I, I figured that. Mm-hmm. I had the Phillies in a sweep. I also well. had Texas because you I like Texas, Bruce Bucci. Okay. All so right. I think he's the best manager in all of baseball right now, and he's proven it. And, and I'm telling you right now, t- watch out for Texas. Watch out for Texas against this Baltimore Orioles team. They're good. They're young. But they still don't have – the the background in the playoffs. I know everybody's going to say, well, Texas, but Texas has players that have been here before. They've been in the playoffs before, and they have a good pitching staff. They have a good bullpen. I like what they've done in the offseason. I didn't like the Max Scherzer move. I, it didn't make any sense, and, and now look, he's out for the playoffs. He's not even playing in the playoffs. None of those Met guys are playing in the playoffs, but nevertheless, I love what they've done. They have a good young roster, a good young, young center fielder I like. Uh, I think I think this team is as good as any team in baseball. Everybody keeps talking about the Brew, uh, the the young uh, Baltimore Orioles and what they have done this year. They're f- sensational. Their bullpen is stacked, uh, moving some of their starting pitchers into the bullpen, and their their rotation was really really good this year, especially in the second half. Oh, yeah. They shut down a lot of the American League East teams, the powerhouse American League East. So I, I like Baltimore, but. I, I'm not going to give you my winners until you go first, Speedy. So we're yeah. going to go Houston and the Twins. So who do you have going coming out of that that division? I'm going to yeah, I'm going to go with the Astros in this one. Now their offense does concern me to an extent, but they are getting guys back healthy. They had Alvarez, uh, Altuve, who's been hurt throughout the year too. But I think the Twins. Their offense has been a little inconsistent for my liking throughout the year, and I do think the Astros pitching has still been strong in that starting rotation, even losing Verlander, but then they got him back, and I think that'll help him a little bit. I think the Twins are more built for a shorter series, so, I, again, I don't like the Blue Jays either. I still picked them, but I trusted them a little more. I don't trust them in a longer series. I like the Astros. I think the Twins win one game. I'll go in four. There's a lot of questions. Now, everybody knows about Justin Verlander. He's a great playoff pitcher. You're only going to see Justin Verlander uh, in one game. So Justin Verlander will probably pitch game number one. The guy, the veteran, who's done it before, and he's done very well uh, over the last couple of years. Here's the thing about the Twins. The Twins have nothing to lose. They don't have to play the Yankees. Go look at their record when they've played the Yankees in the playoffs. They get eliminated all the time. They beat the Blue Jays. They swept the Blue Jays. I have a feeling this is going to be a lot closer than people think. Uh, Correa knows the the Astros very, very well. He was the star shortstop for this team. And and what this roster is, I I think they can hit against the Astros' offense. I think the Astros are going to have problems when it goes to later later innings. And I think they're going to have problems in their bullpen. I really do. But I still think the Astros are the better team. So... I'm going to give it to the Astros. I think it goes five games. I think the Astros win in game number five. I think the pitching matches up very, very well. Sonny Gray looked really good today. Uh, You will see Sonny Gray in game number three. Uh, I think this rotation is a lot better than people think with the Twins. I think the Twins are much better than people think they are. Give me the Astros three games to two. All right, so we'll go to that Orioles-Rangers one now, I guess. And you're right. You mentioned it. I think the Rangers' young pitching has still been good at certain parts of that bullpen. Now, the back end of their bullpen is still concerning. They did, they did trade for Chapman, which helps out a little bit, but they're really relying a lot of starters out of the pen, and that's why I think 
losing Max Scherzer still hurts them a little bit, even though he wasn't really pitching great for them anyway, because he was the one that could provide length. This will be a five-game series. This is a good series, two very talented offenses, but I like the speed and the athleticism for the Orioles, so I'm going to pick them in five. It's so interesting with the Texas Rangers. I, I love what I've seen with the Texas Rangers all season long. I, I love their roster. They have a bunch of good veteran players on this team that are quite capable of doing the things that they expect them to do. Roldis Chapman is a relief pitcher on this roster. Nathan, Nathan uh, uh, Valdi was fantastic for them this year, who was an all-star. They have the ability. And and I think their roster, all from top to bottom, is as good as any team. Uh, Josh Jung is one of the best players, one of the best young players in baseball. He's proven it this year. Corey Seager uh, has had a sensational year when he comes back. Marcus Seaman uh, came back this year. Uh, he was 100% healthy. I mean, this roster is as good as any roster in baseball. I like the Orioles. I think the Orioles have so much talent and so much young talent, and they're going to be good for many, many years to come. Something tells me Texas is going to win this series, okay? I, I have this feeling that Texas is going to win this series. I'm going to take the Texas Rangers because of the veterans, the veteran pitchers that they have on this roster, I, and they have guys that have hit and that have won World Series before on this roster. Give me the Texas Rangers in five games over the Baltimore Orioles. All right, now disclaimer, I think whoever wins this series is going to beat the Astros too. Yes. So I think either way, even if Texas does win, I do think they beat the Astros as well. I don't trust the Astros up to that point, and I do pick the Orioles over the Astros too. And I just, I don't know if I, the Astros have enough consistency in depth like they have done in years past too. So I am worried about them. I think they ended up with the easier end of the bracket playing against the Twins or the Blue Jays, but I think eventually it was going to hurt them whoever they played in that quadrant after that. So I like yeah. that word, quadrant. Yeah, I, I, so I, I I picked the Rays originally and I was wrong, so I'll go with the Orioles. Is your underwear in your quadrant? No. Why? Because it's not a bracket. Do you wear underwear today? Yes, but what does that have to do with a quadrant? I'm just saying, you said underwear, did you not? You said underwear. Well, I just threw it out there. Are you wearing yeah. underwear today? Yes. I, I'm just asking you, because you, you've said a couple of times you, you didn't wear underwear. Did you not say I that? I said it once because I couldn't get in the shower. So you, you decided not to wear any underwear? I just decided to leave my pajamas on, yes. So you should have just stayed naked. You should have done the I'm show I'm not naked. doing the show naked. Why not? I think it'll be funny. No, it'd be funny. I'm not you humiliating myself on a nobody's, sports radio Nobody's going to know that you're naked. I don't care. Uh, it's still it's funny. no benefit. There's a benefit to me. No, there's not. Yes, I, it is. Then have the beef. Next time he comes in here, have the beef do the show <laughs> I don't want to see the beef naked or either you. But at least you're under the table. I'm not going to look under the table. I'm not, gonna look I'm not at looking under the table either. Well, thank God you're not looking under the table. You might see somebody in his boxers right now. There are no <laughs> benefits. I'm just saying, it's there's nothing wrong with being naked, Speedy. Okay, I don't care. <laughs> All right. Who do you have? So I have coming? the Orioles over the Astros there. And well, we're not going into that yet. Hold on. Hold on. Let's go into the National League here. All right. So I guess we're waiting on the Diamondbacks uh, Brewers finish, but it looks like the Diamondbacks are going to win that series mm -hmm. barring a, a bullpen collapse. So it'll be the it'll be the Diamondbacks who are the sixth seed against the two-seed. Who I had Dodgers. beating the Brewers, by the way. I, I love too. the Diamondbacks. Yeah, I did love too. them. Mm -hmm. I like the athleticism against that Brewers team, and the Brewers I did not expect to have enough offense, and that showed in this series. The Diamondbacks mm. pitching is very underrated, too. They just need a little more depth in that starting rotation. And that's the only thing that really concerns me in this series, like I was saying with the Twins, kind of a longer series against the Dodgers. Now, I do think if it goes to a five-game series, all the pressure is on the Dodgers at that point. I do think they could steal it because they are, like John was saying about the Orioles and the Rays, they are a little familiar with that kind of thing. I just do think the Dodgers' offense was going to be potent enough against the Dodgers, against the Diamondbacks' back-end starters. That's what I worry about a little more. So I'm going to take the Dodgers. I think it'll be a closer-than-expected series. It'll be 
four games, but a lot of close games. I love what I see with the Diamondbacks. I've loved them all season long. They're young. They're outfield. They have good young pitching. They're, they're, they're bullpen. They have a good coach. I think this team is for real. I really do. They were a six seed going in uh, as a wild card team, and then knocking off the Brewers. Everybody thought that the Brewers were going to compete for a World Series this year. Uh, their roster with their pitching staff, their pitching staff really in the second half, especially the last two weeks of baseball, the Brewers have not played at the top. Maybe maybe it was because of David Stearns leaving and going to the Mets. Who knows? Whatever it was, they have not been the same team for the last two weeks of baseball going into the playoffs. I think Arizona is for real. I think they're hungry. I think they're the Philadelphia Phillies of last year. I think they're that hungry and they're young. They're youth. They have the youth over there. Give me Arizona knocking off the Dodgers in the divisional series. And I'll say this about the Dodgers. They have a lot of power. Mookie Betts is an MVP candidate. They have great pitching. They have a great roster. I mean, guys that have done it before, that have won World Series, great for them. Uh, they have a coach over there that I just don't like. And and the fact that he has a job still there makes no sense. I, he will be fired from this. Arizona knocks off the Dodgers in five games. Three games to two. Shocks the world and goes to the NLCS. Alrighty, so then the Braves and the Phillies rematch for the second year in a row. Loving the, that, by the way. The Phillies play, beat the Braves in four games last year. This is going to be a really good series. I, you look at, I'm looking at a five-game series definitely here. You look at top-end starting pitching that is really strong for both of those teams. The Braves, obviously, with Strider, who's definitely a Cy Young finalist in the National League. Most insane strikeout rate we've seen, I think, since Steven Strasburg, uh, like 10 years ago or something like that. And you got, obviously, Zach How Wheeler. How the hell did they find that kid? Man. Yeah, Zach, Zach Wheeler. What was he, a third-round draft pick? I think even later than that. He wasn't even a top prospect. His, uh, Soroka was a bigger prospect, and so was Freed. And he's overtaken both of those guys. Now, Soroka's obviously not been healthy, but regardless, the Braves have a great combination of everything right now, athleticism, and the Phillies, they're going to have to be able to figure out, one, the depth part of their rotation, and two, if they don't get the power, can they get the other things? They have Trey Turner for that kind of thing now. He struggled in the first half, good in the second half, and their bullpen is definitely much better. This is going to be a really good series. I'm going to go with the Braves to get revenge in five. It'll be really close. I love the Philadelphia Phillies in this series. I think Philadelphia has the Braves' number. I really do. I think they have the pitching. Their bullpen is much better than it was last year. I think Thompson, they believe in Thompson as a manager, and they have, the, I think, the better the better lineup. I, everybody keeps talking about the Dodgers lineup. You mentioned Trey Turner, you, you, you obviously Bryce Harper has been hot the last couple of weeks. He's hitting home runs. They have so much Schwarber. They they have as deep of a lineup when it comes to power and and hitting for for average as any team in baseball. I think Philadelphia is for real. I think they knock off the Braves three games to two. All right. So NLCS, you have the Phillies and the Diamondbacks. I have the the Dodgers and the Braves. And I'm going to say this is a flip-flop of 2021. You look at 2021, the Dodgers were the most talented team in baseball, and the Braves were the team. Injuries, overcoming adversity, had to rally back in the second half of the season. I think it's kind of flip-flopped this year. And I think the Dodgers are kind of thought of as more of the underdogs this time around. Not a lot of people like them. I'm going to take the Dodgers in a seven-game series over the Braves. Ah. This is this is going to be interesting, and I, I I said it. I like Arizona, but there's something about Philadelphia this year. I think Philadelphia is hungry. I think they wanted to win the World Series last year. I think they're there. I, I really do. I I think if Zach Wheeler pitches the way he pitched in the second half, they and they can get two games out of him in the NLCS. 
they have a very good chance of going back to the World Series. And if they go back to the World Series, I think they'll win the whole thing. I, I think they're real. Uh, I, I like Philadelphia. I, I might be wrong in my picks, but I'm going with the gut here. And I went with my gut last year with Philadelphia. And I also went, I also picked the Houston Astros to go to the World Series last year. And to not obviously, I thought Philadelphia was going to knock off the Houston Astros. But uh, Philadelphia got knocked out by the Houston Astros. I think this year... Something tells me that Arizona is going to give Philadelphia a run for their money. I think both teams are going to be fun to watch. But I think Philadelphia has the experience. I think Thompson has the experience as a manager. He's been there with the Yankees. He's won. He's He's been there behind Joe Girardi for the years that he was there with the Yankees. He's won a World Series there with the Yankees. And I think he understands what it takes to win a World Series after losing against an Astros team that I believe they were better than going into the World Series last year. Uh, give me... The Philadelphia Phillies knocking off the Arizona Diamondbacks four games to two to go back to the World Series. All right, so you have Rangers-Astros, ALCS. I have, uh, in this case, Orioles. Originally, I had the Rays, obviously. The two Texas teams, baby. Yeah, that would be an interesting battle. Uh, Like I said, I like the Orioles being more well-rounded, I think, than the Astros. I think the Astros, like I was saying with the Phillies, I think their depth flaws will finally hurt them in this series. They're not the same offensive depth team, uh, losing a couple players and guys being injured for much of the year. Their bullpen's still been strong, but their starting depth will be tested in this series. I don't know if they're as much built for a longer series as the Orioles, who have young guys they could put into the bullpen, like Johnny was saying. Jack Flaherty, either Tyler Wells or Grayson Rodriguez, who was a top prospect in baseball at the start of the year, who pitched better after having a really bad start. And this this lineup is athletic. They're very well-rounded. They're deep. I watched them I watched them play at Camden Yards. They had, like, nine hitters that are better than a lot of teams' five hitters this year. It's been really that good. I'm going to take the Orioles in a six-game series over the Astros. I think this is going to be a great series. Battle of great young lineups that can hit for power, also hit for average. I, I love... I love this series. I think this series could go seven. I think it goes. I think it goes six. I think the Texas Rangers are for real. I, I think Bruce Bochy, Bochy has them playing at the top of their game. I think he knows how to win. He's won it three times with the San Francisco Giants, a team that nobody thought was going to win. He has all these players believing that they can win. I like the bullpen. I like what they've done this year in the rotation, losing so many pitchers this year and then finding a way to win. The middle of this lineup is as good as any middle lineup in baseball. I think the Astros are very interesting. They, they're good. They're talented. They have the young pitching. They have the great young bullpen, and, and they have some great young players that can hit for average, and even some veterans can do that with El Tuve being a clutch hitter that he has when he doesn't cheat. <laughs> but I have the Texas Rangers knocking off the Houston Astros in the ALCS to go to the World Series since Washington, baby, mm-hmm. as the head manager over there. And then losing back-to-back years, uh, really, uh, I, re- I think one once against the Astros. If and, then, and then against the Braves. And one against the later, Braves, yeah. yes. So give me the Texas Rangers heading to their first World Series in over 10 years. All right, before we get to the World Series, I think I just want to mention Carl's comment. Why is the Marlins fan who's at all the big games not the actual Marlins game? He's in Milwaukee. Carl, you have to appreciate the great irony of all that. That's true. <laughs> all right, so, true. Uh, you have, so you have the Rangers and the Phillies. Phillies. I have the yep. Orioles and the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. Uh, granted, I had the Dodgers and the Rays before that, and that ended up being wrong, but I was taking you, the Dodgers. You made it so right. easy. You, you made it like the predictable, predictable. Well, I picked the Rays originally. That you was my went the predictable C. route. They were the 4C. That was the one I had going on. The one I Everybody was, has the Dodgers in the Orioles. Going to the World Series. I make had the Rays. I had the Rays originally, and I was wrong. And I was waiting to run with Seattle, but they didn't make it. So you're wrong automatically. So I'm already wrong on the Rays making it. But I had the Dodgers winning already, uh, right. and I still have a, would have them over the Orioles. I think it would be a close series, six games. 
Ah, oh, man, this is going to be a fun series. I think it goes six games. Everybody, I, I, I'm not a Philadelphia Phillies fan. Everybody has Philadelphia Phillies. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go the opposite. Back to back years, Philadelphia Phillies go to the World Series, and back to back years, they lose. The Texas Rangers. You heard it from me. The Texas Rangers win the World Series in six games. Four games to two. Bruce Bochy, he wins his fourth World Series uh, in what? 20 years? I mean, I'm, Less I'm, than I'm, that. It's I'm, like I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm 15, just making a, I'm yeah. making a joke. In 15 years, he wins four World Series. He's, he's one of very few coaches that have won in the American League and the National League. Uh, I think Bruce Bochy is for real. I think he has his team playing at a high level. Uh, the Texas Rangers knocks off Philadelphia to win the World Series. Uh, when was the last time Texas won a World Series? They never, they never, they never did. did. They lost back-to-back yeah. in 2010 and 2011. So now you're saying the Phillies are going to do the the new Rangers. Yes. <laughs> that, w- that would be funny. That, that, now all they need is Cliff Lee to come back to one of those teams to complete it because he lost two World Series in a row with two different teams. Texas <laughs> wins the World Series and rides off to the sunset. Yep. Without Max Scherzer or Jacob DeGrom. With Speedy's underwear on their heads. Without Max Scherzer or Jacob DeGrom. I like it. All right. Listen, what we'll do is we'll we'll cement your underwear and give it to the World Series champion. What do you think? Yeah, You'll sign it. They're very. It's very invaluable. I don't know why, why they would want that. <laughs> what, what makes it invaluable? It's a random piece of underwear. But it's your underwear. It doesn't matter. What will that matter to Max Scherzer and Jacob DeGrom? But you are the great Speedy Petey. And what will that mean to Max Scherzer, Jacob DeGrom, and all well, the rest Jacob of those Jacob DeGrom teams? is, they're both not playing, so it wouldn't matter to them. All right. And these guys that just won a World Series are not going to be thinking about their underwear. Oh, but, but it's your underwear. And why would they care? I, I'm just saying it's a special pair of underwear. Don't you think? To who? I mean, to me, to you, but all of us. Well, why can't you it's just a random pair of underwear? It. They're I not mean, gonna care. I mean, Carl would like a, you know. Carl would, is not a professional baseball but player. He would like your underwear too. Okay, Carl, maybe am I he right? Would. Maybe Carl would like the underwear. I don't think major league players that are making millions of dollars are gonna care about some random guy's. Underwear. I just think it fits you. What is he saying over here? What did he write? Uh, Brewers are out. Okay. No, so. no, there was another one that he just wrote. Oh, uh, oh, that one just came in on my end. Yes. Uh, it will mean the same as when you wore underwear to pay off the bet a few years back. Yes. There you go. On your head. Yes, our friend. Uh, that was actually our friend Pete Bursicus' first time on the yes, show. Yes, and, and he loved it. He had to see it. I'll give him credit. The one thing he did say that was funny, he said I, he said I looked like the guitarist or the drummer in Cinderella. You did. <laughs> and it looked great on you, as, man. As somebody that likes 80s hair you look bands, like I'll, a, I'll embrace that. You look like a wrestler. <laughs> thank, you know, thank, and one of those headband things. Yeah. That's what, that's what he was saying. One of the 80s hair bands. There you go. It's perfect for you, Speedy. I think if whoever wins the World Series will send them, uh, you know, a cement cover of your underwear. What okay. do you think? Well, if they can enjoy it. Well, somebody... you'll sign it too, right? Why would you care about my autograph? Congratulations to the Philadelphia and Texas Rangers. Oh, God. If, if, if it was, Signed by Speedy Petey. If it was going to the Phillies, I, I would definitely do something a lot different as a Mets fan. I'm just telling you There's what no I think. There's no way I'm definitely any giving the Phillies positive praise. I, but I know you hate the Philadelphia Phillies, but that, that makes it even more and, and much better. I mean, Bryce Harper would love it. Why would Bryce Harper give a damn? <laughs> He's probably one of the 20 most popular athletes in professional sports. But Why would I mean, he care about me? Maybe because he knows you and he loves your underwear. And he Why would Bryce you? Harper know me maybe and he collects care jock a damn straps. about my underwear? Maybe he collects jock straps. All right. If he has a fetish to collect jock straps, I'm sure he's done it with a lot of people closer to him because he lives around Vegas. What, what, what would you pay to sniff uh, Bryce Harper's jock strap? I'm not... 
going for that kind of publicity. I'm just asking you. If if, if somebody paid you Bryce Harper a thousand dollars to Bryce sniff Har- his jockstrap. No, I mean more than that. Bryce Harper's getting paid three hundred plus million dollars. Well, but it's a thousand dollars. It's a free thousand dollars to sniff his jockstrap. I don't care. But but wouldn't you do it? No. Why? I don't care about sniffing sweaty jock straps. It, it, it'd be good for you. No. I, I think I think it'd be a part of who you are as no, a, it a radio show host. No, it wouldn't. And a personality. No, it wouldn't. Why? What would be wrong with that? It would be a suffer-through prank. A suffer-full prank? Yes. Why? I don't understand this. Some, some dude is daring me to s- sniff some sweaty, stinky underwear. That, yeah. It would be perfect for you. I mean, yeah, and, and I, you you get yourself $1,000, and you could say that I sniffed I'm not Bryce saying Harper's any more after that. <laughs> that is the end of that instance. I would not do anything more with it. How about Jeff's jockstrap? Oh, God. <laughs> I don't know if money could save that one. <laughs> what did he write over here? What did he write? Speedy would be like your dog licking your butt, which I did not let him do, Carl. <laughs> do not let Errol brainwash you. <laughs> oh, man. What a show. And we didn't have any guests for the first time in a very long time. Who do we have tomorrow, Speedy? So at 8.30, he was supposed to join us about a month ago, but did have COVID. Uh, our friend Chris Lombardi, he was on our show at the end of the season last year, uh, co-founder of All 22 Pro... Uh, Pro football, fantasy football. Uh, he's partners with our guy Ray Cotto, who we've had on the show in the yep. past. Uh, they founded all 22 together, so he'll be on at 8.30. And at 9 o'clock, we have uh, former Patriots and Rams defensive tackle Dominique Easley. He played from 2014 to 2018, Please. was a first-round pick for the Patriots. And won a Super I remember Bowl. Dominique Easley. Who, who doesn't remember him? Mm-hmm. He was actually pretty good he with was the good. Patriots. Yep. He was good with the Patriots. We This is the first time on our show, so another football player. We have a lot to get into with his Patriots. I'm sure he has his own thoughts to where uh, Bill Belichick is going at the end of the season, which is probably in retirement. Oh, I thought he was going to the Browns, like you predicted four years ago. Well, you know, <laughs> I, I don't think it's going to happen anymore. I mean, the guy's older than dirt. I mean, might be older than the underwear that you're wearing right now. No, it definitely is not. Maybe you're wearing your father's underwear. Uh, that wouldn't mean he... That, that, for one, that wouldn't mean he's older. Two, I know it's not because I got it out of the back. Okay, I'm just, <laughs> just asking. And, and Mikey sees... I yeah. saw that. I saw, he's, Mikey sees Oriole-filled Again, jock. like Jeff, there's, there's no uh, money that First would of get all, involved with that. Just so you know, Mikey C. actually did do that. Just so everybody knows I the story. I believe that, unfortunately. Mikey C. used to pick up girls, and he used to... Take Oreo cookies, and you know the way he would do it is he would put the Oreo Oreo cookies between the butt cheeks, and what he would do is if he can grab them with his mouth, depending on how many they are, she would be the winner, and that would be the girl that he would be dating. Though he actually did it twice, so and that's a true story. That wasn't a fake story, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Carl, it was still that. a three-hour show. We did start at seven o'clock. It's not a two-hour show, but yes, there was no Mark Everett Kelly tonight. No Mark Everett Kelly. We love Mark, by the way, and uh, thank God that he's healthier now than he has been over the last couple of months. Uh, he he lost a lot of weight, man. I think he definitely like, looked like it. Yeah. Uh, he, uh, I hope everything is good with him, man. He wants us to come down to Alabama. Alabama is a little far, and I, I don't know, man. They were just in Texas. You could have stopped by. <laughs> Alabama is not a place that I want to go. What, what am I going to do in Alabama? What am I going to do in maybe, Alabama? Maybe you could chase down Forrest Gump. I, that would be good too. I mean, I'd be if I had a life of Forrest Gump. I mean, I'd be I'd be racking in the dough. I'd be a billionaire, a oh, zillionaire. You, you can't, you're saying you can't get an nil deal like uh, Forrest Gump did. Uh, Listen, I'm not looking them. for shrimp. All right, and if I'm going to look for shrimp, it won't be in the water. That's for sure. <laughs> Oh, 
Oh, man. What We have a great show lined up for you guys tomorrow. Thank you to all the fans tuning in, listening to us all over the country, all over the world. We really appreciate you guys. You can call up the show whenever you want uh, and argue your points. You, you guys are fantastic. All the people that have attacked me all over social media. Uh, and thank, thank you to all the fans that wish me... A very good, safe trip on my cruise. I am healthy. I am alive. I did not fall off board. Even though there was 80-mile-per-hour winds the first two nights, I was on over the board. But nevertheless, it was a great trip. I met a lot of people. Shout-out to all the new fans listening to us right now from Houston. We really appreciate really appreciate all of you guys tuning in. Keep listening to us. We will be back tomorrow. Bet on the picks, ladies and gentlemen. Our handicappers were 9-3 and three last week. You'll be cashing it in if you listen to Let's Parlay every single week week. We will be back tomorrow until then, 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Until then, this is Speedy Petey and the Big Easy saying goodnight. We'll talk to you then. Good night, everybody. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.